Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From the wastelands of California, my name is Michael, pouring some sugar all over you now. Nice to meet you. First time listeners out there, thank you for finding this. This is where gold falls from the sky. Do keep in mind, no matter what it is you do choose to believe, we do admire you for your curiosity. Join us this evening. And he is making his debut, by the way, so please put your hands together. For Dr. John Ambrose. He is a retired orthopedic surgeon. He is also a very, very talented painter. And he spends his days now painting various portraits of rock stars and other wonderful creations. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing us into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Always nice to see you out there. How do you do? I wish you all well and a perfect health. And it is July 11th, 2020. Just in case this is heard by someone in the future, by some remarkable chance. I wonder what history will say about the year 2020. Do you ever think about that? Do you care? Lots to discuss here tonight. I'll try and get your questions in. Don't be afraid to weigh in with your opinions here tonight. That's what this program has always been about. An open platform designed for all walks of life out there. Now, without further ado, let's see if my co-host Mike Hideous, who has drawn assignment this evening, let's see what's going on with him and, of course, our guest, Dr. John Ambrose. Gentlemen, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Hello, Michael. Hello, Dr. John. Hello. Welcome. 
I'm so glad both of you are here this evening. And of course, Dr. John Ambrose, what's going on? I know you are out there in somewhere in New Jersey. Is that correct? That's right. I'm near the metropolis of Patterson, New Jersey. <laughs> Patterson, New Jersey. My goodness. My, home, my hometown where I was born and raised. I was going to say that's where Mike was born, right? Yes, it is. Hmm. That Very has nice. something to do with the connection, I guess. <laughs> I would have to. I would have to imagine so. And by the way, Doc, uh, how are you feeling this evening? Is everything well with you and your family? Yes, uh, I'm well. Recently uh, tested for COVID and negative, and uh, I'm uh, recovering from some uh, back surgery about three, three and a half weeks ago, and I'm absolutely fine at this time. Ah, very good, very good. And yeah, that's very good news. And I wanted you to take us through your background from just from that point on. We, we can branch off into other subjects, but I did want you to take us through your background here. You are a surgeon. And is this something that you wanted to do when you were growing up, John? Or well, Doc? bear in mind, I'm a retired surgeon. I'm retired uh, about four years and a month now since I uh, last laid down the scalpel. But in answer to your question, uh, no, my uh, my path to becoming an orthopedic surgeon uh, was uh, very circuitous. It, there was nothing direct about it. It was not in my, uh, my or my family's uh, um, intentions at all uh, as I was growing up. Um, and uh, it occurred through a series of... Uh, serendipitous uh, uh, changes in my life. Uh, I'll, I'll go back to the beginning. I was born and raised in Jersey City and uh, came from a uh, uh, sort of a, a large extended family, uh, a lot of educated people in my family, many of them uh, pioneers in education, uh, you know, from an immigrant family. A lot of them were very educated, but none were physicians, none were doctors, and so I had no uh, I had no knowledge of the career path uh, to medicine, uh, nor any interest or desire to become a doctor most of my youth. Um, but uh, actually, my uh, my earliest talents were in the, the realm of art. I, I was uh, sort of born with a knack for. Uh, or uh, illustration. Um, I attribute a lot of my uh, uh, fortunate gifts in uh, the realm of art to early uh, experiences as a really small child, a toddler, two or three years old, when my parents got a television set, uh, which was one of the first television sets in uh, Jersey City. Uh, <laughs> nice. It was in 1948. Television, uh, we got a television because my grandfather owned a tavern and he had a television, which, uh, uh, you know, I guess my mother and father thought, hey, it's about time we get this newfangled device. And on that television was a uh, an interesting uh, early TV show. I'm talking about the late 40s. It was John Nagy learned to draw. Nagy spelled G-N-A-G-Y. I guess it's a Hungarian name. John Nagy had a TV show, Learn to Draw. And as a small child, my, my parents would try to get me to entertain myself by giving me a stack of 
blank paper and a pencil and I would watch John Nagy do these amazing things with uh, charcoal uh, of uh, dogs and uh, geometric figures, and and I would try to I would try to keep up with him. And I was only about two or three years old, and I found it extremely frustrating. But it must have uh, made for some connections in my developing brain, so that by the time I was four, I, I was able to draw rather uh, naturalistic. Uh, figures in three dimensions uh, to the amazement of everybody around me. Um, nevertheless, my family was uh, too uh, well-educated and uh, sophisticated to imagine my pursuing a career in art. And so what I did was uh, just follow the regular academics of elementary school and high school um, and uh, didn't know quite exactly what I was going to do when I entered college. Uh, anyhow, to uh, cut to the quick, I found that I had a very strong affinity for biological sciences. I loved biology. I thought it was the most wonderful thing to learn about. Uh, and I mean all forms of biology. I like plant biology. I like studying uh, insects and worms and mammals and everything else. So I did very well and got good grades in biology. So one of my uncles, actually a great uncle, uh, brought up the subject, said to my mother, you know what, we ought to encourage this kid. If he's good in biology, you know what they do with that? And none of us knew. And he said, they do pre-med and become doctors. So that set me on the path to uh, uh, pre-medical education, applications to medical schools, and eventually acceptance to the New Jersey College of Medicine. Now, Where was the, that? Where was that, Doc? Well, th at that time, this is interesting. Uh, New Jersey College of Medicine uh, was uh, uh, new, newly uh, established by taking over the Seton Hall Medical School. In, Seton in Hall, Orange? In, uh, what was that, right. South Orange? But, yeah, but that's not where it was located. Seton oh, Hall okay. University, you are right, is in the Oranges. However, their medical school was in Jersey City at the Jersey City Medical Center. Uh, Jersey City Medical Center was one of those uh, constructions, uh, extravagant buildings in an Art Deco style from the era of the Depression, when the federal government was uh, spreading money around to uh, uh, patronizing uh, politicians that they favored. Mm. And they built a, uh, a magnificent uh, complex of buildings in, uh, in, in Jersey City. However, it was a white elephant in the sense that Jersey City and the surrounding communities did not really support, it did not really require a medical center of that grandiosity. It was something that you know should be at a in a major metropolis, and Jersey City always is in the shadow of New York City. So much of the Jersey City Medical Center complex was uh, empty. So Seton Hall uh, Medical School ran their medical school in in and around those buildings. Uh, and so they repurposed it as a school. And uh, when the state took it over, when the state of New Jersey 
bought out Seton Hall, uh, they established the medical school there. And uh, it was there that I first started taking uh, medical school classes under the auspices of the College of Medicine and Dentistry of New Jersey, which was a replacement for Seton Hall's medical school. Uh, eventually, actually the next year, uh, the medical school moved to Newark, New Jersey, and it, the uh, uh, adjacent uh, uh, larger city just across the river. And I continued my studies there and finished in four years. And uh, uh, from there, uh, I pursued a, a career in surgery, specialty career in surgery. Right. And eventually orthopedic surgery. Orthopedic surgery, which is okay. what I wound up being. Very when interesting. Did you become, when did you become a doctor? Yes. I, had, I, I graduated medical school with an MD in 1972. In the 70s. Now, okay. at that point, you have an MD, but not a license. Mm. So you, you proceed to your postgraduate training, which used to be called and, and can still be thought of as the internship. So I did a one-year internship at St. Barnabas Medical Center, which is uh, located in Livingston, um, a suburb of Newark. And from that uh, internship, in which I studied general surgery, uh, I acquired a particular love and interest in orthopedic surgery, which you may know is the specialty dealing with bones, joints, and all the supportive musculoskeletal structures, right. in, including nerves, ligaments, joints, and so on. So from that internship, I was accepted to an orthopedic residency program, a specialty res uh, residency program at uh, St. Joseph's Medical Center in Patterson, New Jersey. And I have been a, a resident in and around Patterson, uh, actually the suburbs around Patterson, ever since then. Understood. And no run-ins with Chris Christie. Uh, no, never, never had any any physical. Uh, I was never physically uh, in his presence. Okay, just Although making sure. There were times when I, there were times when I admired him, and times when I found him to be somewhat of an embarrassment. Well, I like you already, Doc. <laughs> now I got to ask you, how many procedures have you carried out in your entire career, if you can remember that, Doc? Well, I don't want to give you an inaccurate number, and I have really, you know, I used to collect them, but it became impossible to, to manage, you know, collecting all the data on that. I used to collect the operative reports and so on. Uh, all I can say is this. I have a, uh, a basement full of medical records um, that uh, includes uh, many thousands of patients. Now, understand, an orthopedic surgeon right. doesn't only do surgical operations. Uh, there's a lot of uh, non-surgical management that goes into care for musculoskeletal problems. And so uh, while I have had many, many thousands of patients, perhaps tens of thousands of patients, uh, the, the, the major surgical procedures I did would be a, a smaller fraction of that. Maybe right, okay. Oh, uh, 25% of my patients were subjected to surgery. The other 75% would be treated with medications, physical therapy, braces, 
uh, advice, home exercises, uh, lifestyle changes, and so on. Uh, but uh, in the uh, final analysis, most of my uh, surgical career, uh, which I would say was about 25% of my uh, patient encounters, most of my surgical career was devoted to treatment of uh, injuries, like fractures and dislocations of bones and joints, and reconstruction of arthritic joints, uh, such as by performing total hip replacement, shoulder replacement, knee replacement, and the like. So, so lots of like sports injuries. Uh, very much. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would expect you know, a lot that. of orthopedic surgeons uh, dub themselves, you know, subtitle sports medicine. Right, um, um, Doc. Any any, bo- any botched surgeries. Any botched surgeries? Never mind. Never mind, Doc. I'll, I'll, I'll edit that part I out. Remember botched surgeries, <laughs> and if I did, I certainly wouldn't uh, uh, wouldn't enumerate them for you. However, I have to tell you, to be honest, not everything turns out well. And one of the first things you tell uh, patients undergoing surgery, and then when they sign a consent for surgery, is there's no guarantee that this is going to. Uh, be successful. After all, there are many factors, biological, chemical, and unforeseen circumstances, coexisting medical conditions, and so on, that can interfere with a perfectly successful outcome. So are you saying it's a roll of of the dice at times? Well, yeah, the dice are loaded because, after all, we are applying the accumulated uh, knowledge of the science of medicine that comes to us now, or came to me then, in the late 20th century, and it was very effective in warding off the worst complications or failures. We knew how to prevent infections, not all of them, but we know how to prevent infections uh, in, in that, that, re, that followed from surgery. Uh, we knew uh, the anatomical considerations that would keep us from cutting nerves or vessels or doing any harm. Um, But, you know, people heal the way they heal, and not everyone heals perfectly well for reasons that are both uh, related to nutrition, to their genetics, to their lifestyle, to how compliant they are with uh, follow-up instructions and so on. So I have to confess, I have to confess, uh, not everybody got a perfectly uh, satisfactory or even a, uh, a triumphant uh, result, but the vast majority of patients uh, who, for example, um, and, and by the way, in my later years, I specialized mostly in doing hip and knee replacement and an occasional shoulder replacement operation for uh, arthritic damaged joints. Um, most of those patients are absolutely um, uh, jubilant about how they uh, were restored to uh, normal function. Amazing. Don't worry, uh, Doc. We will edit that part out. <laughs> now, Doc, for the past several months, the world has been at a standstill. The future is shaky, and there appears to be no end in sight. What's happening now is completely unimaginable and mind boggling. No one, except maybe a few, could have predicted this uh, turn of events. And I personally don't know where you stand with COVID-19, Doc. And I'll let you know my thoughts and opinions on the matter. But, um, Doc, I'll let you um, 
handle the, the floor here. Um, what is your opinion on COVID-19? Well, I'm glad you asked, but I have to preface it by saying, you know, as an orthopedic surgeon, uh, I was very, uh, very adept at sawing through bones and uh, drilling into bones to put screws and plates. That was hardly, uh, uh, that hardly makes me an authority on sure. epidemiology or virology. Don't worry so though, I Doc. Know, we, we like opinions here. It's okay. Yeah, I, I, I know, you know, basic medical uh, thinking, uh, basic biological uh, principles. And of course, I'm a reasonably well-informed layman uh, when it comes to the information circulating about the uh, the current pandemic. Right. But what I what I like to think, uh, I think at this, I'm on firm ground when I say this that this uh, virus, this uh, COVID nineteen virus, is probably not very different from uh, other uh, novel viruses that have, uh, you know, spread around the world and been uh, uh, the source of a lot of uh, illness and death. It's, uh, on the other hand, the human uh, biology is, uh, is prepped for it. It's prepared to, uh, uh, to deal with it. And just like uh, I was saying about uh, my... Uh, operations and those that didn't result in great outcomes, uh, there are many factors that can influence uh, how well a person uh, uh, reacts to uh, infection with this uh, virus. And uh, as is widely known and touted in every newspaper or radio or television article, people with pre-existing conditions, people with uh, advanced age, People with obesity and diabetes are uh, at a disadvantage when it comes to mounting an immune response to this virus if they get it. However, that said, the vast majority, the overwhelming majority of healthy people uh, who are who have none of those uh, unfortunate factors going for them, the vast majority of uh, healthy adults will uh, will survive it will be ill for a while some are not ill at all and, and that's come to be well known some people have had the illness and never had significant symptoms and uh, come through it using the their own body's immunological uh, resources uh, so it's uh, not quite as uh, terrible as uh, a lot of authorities would have us believe, but it's a lot worse than uh, a flu for which we have a vaccine or a specific drug. Right, and of course, New Jersey, the cases are rising up there, 174,000, I believe. Yeah, well, you know, New Jersey is one of the most densely areas in the entire world. Right. You know, a city like uh, Hoboken, um, and there are numerous cities uh, with a similar uh, demographic. City like Hoboken ranks uh, among the highest five or six uh, uh, cities in the world in population density. You know, it compares with Hong Kong and Tokyo and, and Calcutta. Uh, New Jersey is densely populated. And of course, uh, viruses will spread more readily 
And of course, there are more people in the categories that I uh, enumerated, the aged, the ill, those with the coexisting uh, factors. And so New Jersey will have kind of a bad record compared to, for example, Wyoming. It's one of the reasons I left – actually, uh, one of the reasons I left New Jersey was because of its, its extremely densely populated within the big cities particularly. I mean if Absolutely. you go if you go north or west, you, you sort of kind of – it sort of pans out a, li- a little more. That's um, right. But you know, in, in the more concentrated areas, in the metropolitan area, it's just unbelievable. Absolutely. And it's one of the reasons I had to get out of there. Sure, and that's understandable. So that's why New Jersey is uh, one of the hardest hit. It's, what, what, uh, Doc, what's virus. your what's yeah. your what's your thoughts on uh, 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 chlorohydrochloroquine? Um, hydrochloroquine. Hydrochloroquine. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, that's a drug called Plaquenil. That's a brand name of it, Plaquenil. It has a brand name because it's not a rarity. It's widely used, you know, for uh, for preventing uh, malaria. Right. Uh, it's, uh, by the way, the proper proper name is hydroxychloroquine, hydroxychloroquine, and that's uh, plaquenil. It's also used in rheumatoid arthritis. It modifies the immune response. It, it modifies the immune response. And well, I don't know exactly – I don't think anybody is sure of the mechanism why that helps. Uh, it seems to be helpful if applied in the early stages, like the first five days of recognizing the illness – um, and uh, no doubt it has something to do with modifying the immune response, which is ex- especially important in this disease because uh, they report that people don't get desperately ill and die from the action of the virus, but rather from the body's exaggerated and inappropriate overreaction to it. The immune response can get really wildly out of hand and – uh, destroy the lung tissue or other tissues, blood vessels. And so perhaps, and I'm just guessing at this, perhaps uh, hydrochloroquine or plaquenil, uh, which is used for malaria and rheumatoid arthritis and other autoimmune diseases, uh, just just tamps down that exaggerated immune response. So, so, so Doc, I, I got to ask you. I got to ask you a question based on what you just said. If if you're saying, based on your medical knowledge uh, and the associations you've had with other doctors who treat such patients with CCP virus, does the drug is it safe? Because so many people I hear so many conflicting reports about the drug being not safe and that it'll kill you, so on and so forth. And what, what, what's your response to that? Very good that you ask. Uh, no drug, and certainly not aspirin or Tylenol or any of the very common, widely used and uncontrolled drugs, none of them are 100% safe. Right. None. And hydrochloroquine has the uh, unfortunate property of prolonging uh, the, uh, the electrical heartbeat. It prolongs certain phases of that heartbeat. And... You know, for 99% of people, they wouldn't even notice it. It probably wouldn't affect them uh, if they're on a treadmill and they're experiencing this change in their heartbeat. They wouldn't even know it. However, uh, in susceptible and vulnerable individuals, 
uh, that prolongation of the electrical activity in the heart can lead to an arrhythmia. Now, to tell the truth, I've never heard of anybody dying from such an arrhythmia, but it's possible, it's conceivable that if you had something wrong with the uh, the mechanism of uh, your heart regular beat, um, I guess one out of a I don't want to say a number because uh, I wouldn't be accurate, but one out of so many people might get a, a toxic reaction to their heart. Other than that, I don't know of any other uh, any other uh, deleterious side effect from hydro hydroxychloroquine. I don't know of any other. Yeah, there's also remdesivir, which is another drug. That's ah, been yes, that's about. It, another drug, and mm-hmm. that works entirely differently. And that seems to be most effective in, I think, the later stages. Now, you know, uh, I, I can say, don't quote me on that, but this is going <laughs> down on the record. Yes. Uh, but anyhow, remdesivir uh, has a different, has a, a very well-known mode of action. Remdesivir is a molecule that gets incorporated into the virus as it's being manufactured, right? What happens is your body manufactures more of these viruses. Uh, The idea of the virus is to go into your cells and tell your cells, manufacture more of me. If you have remdesivir available as a raw material, that gets incorporated into the viruses that are being manufactured by your uh, your uh, metabolism, which has been hijacked by the virus. Right. Unfortunately for the virus, and fortunately for takers of remdesivir, that molecule, that remdesivir molecule, gets included into the works. It's like a monkey wrench in the works. And that virus is not able to reproduce itself, it's not able to do its job, and falls victim to your white blood cells and your antibodies, which then take it as a piece of biological debris and destroy it. So remdesivir is a, um, uh, it's a used as a raw material. And it turns out to be what the virus to the virus, it's an anti-metabolite. It gets into the metabolism and it prevents the virus from being uh, constructed in its uh, usual way. And by the way, Doc, I got to quickly jump in here and ask uh, this question, Mike. Uh, Doc, you yourself, uh, are you in decent health? No um, illnesses or anything that could maybe make you a victim of COVID-19? Well, I'm no spring chick. If you remember the date I said I graduated medical medical school in 1972, do the arithmetic. Right. He's an elderly man. He's an, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am an aged, surviving uh, uh, septuagenarian. I love that. And uh, yes, Doc, by the way, just another random question here before I hand it back off to Mike. Many have called the World Health Organization a criminal, uh, a criminal, a, a criminal medical organization. Do you agree with that? I do. Amazing. Go ahead and tell us why. That that was sort of my next question. There are some people out there, Doc, who say that this was a manufactured virus. Man-made, yes, bioweapon. Right, that it was accidentally or purposely 
released by the CCP. Now, the thing is, the question to that, which, which it, it, it makes you think, if it was indeed or even accidentally released as a biological weapon, why would they release it in Wuhan in their own country? Which could then lead you to think, well, maybe it was accidentally released. But I'm sure you're well aware that this all started. It was originally studied in America as far back as what we think is 2008, then sent to China, then sent to Canada, and then sent back to China, which then uh, we have this wonderful release on the entire world. What are your thoughts in, 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 in that area of it being um, possibly man-made? And well, okay. you know, what do you think about that? Uh, that's a different question than uh, Michael had just posed to me, but let me address it and, and try and get it out of the way. Uh, yeah, there are uh, uh, labs uh, around the world uh, that are uh, working on viruses and modifying them and studying them and seeing how they reproduce and how they don't reproduce and how to stop it. They're all over the world. Wuhan. And, of course, the United States has the, the same uh, uh, program of studying viruses. Um, uh, I have to assume – and, you know, again, this is speculation. I have neither the inside knowledge nor even the, uh, the understanding of virology. But it has to be assumed that it was a poor uh, sterile technique that allowed uh, – this uh, virus under study in Wuhan to contaminate uh, some of the workers. In other words, people failed in uh, following the sterile protocols of protecting themselves and the public, and someone carried it out from that Wuhan lab almost surely, unintentionally. Now, that doesn't mean that it wasn't being worked on as a biological weapon, and I consider that a very strong possibility. However, I think that its release and its spread uh, in Wuhan was probably uh, accidental. You know, these things are very dangerous. These labs have the most incredibly uh, 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 strict protocols for uh, how the workers, the scientists, the physicians, the technicians, how they must protect themselves and the environment, the, the, the countertops they work on, the glasses, the, the test tubes, the uh, instruments, the electronics. They have to protect it. And somebody, I think, failed and got it on themselves and spread it around, you know, uh, uh, accidentally. Uh, of course, we know that what we're, what we're uh, angry about is that when that happened uh, – the uh, Chinese Communist Party's policy is to be quiet about it, don't reveal that we make mistakes, uh, we can't do anything wrong, uh, whoever, uh, whoever blows the whistle on that is a liar, they need to be punished, they need to be silenced. That is just exactly what the Communist Party in the Soviet Union did when Chernobyl uh, turned into a uh, – a local or I should say regional disaster uh, taking many lives and creating a, an ecological uh, disaster that will continue in Chernobyl for millennia. 
to come. Thousands of years from now, Chernobyl will still be a, uh, a horrible, dangerous place because the Communist Party policies in the Soviet Union at that time were to suppress any knowledge and thereby limit the appropriate response to containing it. Well, uh, apply that same communist mentality to uh, the Wuhan virus getting out. Instead of working on uh, getting assistance from the Americans or the Swedes or anybody else who has a uh, uh, an adequate scientific uh, and um, epidemiological approach to this, rather than getting that help, they suppressed the information while the thing went like wildfire through Wuhan, and then, of course, as we all know, onto planes that went to Europe and America and contaminated the rest of the world. Do you think that um, – do you think what's happening right now in the country with this shutdown um, and the wearing of the masks and the not opening of businesses, do you think this is a healthy situation? Do you think it's mandatory at this point that we remain as we have been for the last six month, uh, five months? Six months. Well, here's how I see that. When the virus hit America – and Canada and the rest of the world. Uh, we were told, uh, you know, my my memory is uh, a little faulty at this age, but I seem to remember we were told that two weeks of lock lockdown would flatten the curve. We all know what that means, right? That we're gonna uh, we're gonna slow the spread of it so that hospitals are not overwhelmed. And that would be a disaster if hospitals were overwhelmed. Let's say if they have, if, if any given hospital has 12 ICU beds, but 120 people need them, that would be a real disaster. Okay, so the intention to flatten the curve uh, was very uh, wise, very well intended, uh, perfectly just and correct. So that two weeks of lockdown to flatten the curve accomplished that it was good nowhere we were doing good doc again i only read newspapers i'm not reading uh, journals of epidemiology or virology but it happened it worked that curve was flattened i never read that any hospital system was so overwhelmed that they had people dying in the parking lots or uh in hallways because there were insufficient uh, ICU beds. I never read that. Did you? Have you, has anybody heard of that happening? All I uh, all I have heard about is how some of these makeshift or or these hospitals that were built for this particular pandemic uh I I from what I understand in New York uh the governor wasn't even letting people go to those um those uh, makeshift hospitals. Yes, the, the Javits Convention Center was set up as one, and right. then that 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 uh, that ship uh, that right. uh, har- right. parked in the harbor. That's right. And they weren't even utilized. So nowhere. And you know, if if, if I'm wrong, somebody tell me. I never heard of any hospital system being overwhelmed. So, ergo, the uh, effect of flattening the curve worked. What is the purpose of the lockdown now? That's what, that's what I was getting at. What, what do you think is happening? Why are they doing this? Okay, I guess the claim, 
and I and I'll, I'll grant that there's some logic to this, although I can't say that I support it. The claim is if you can wait until a vaccine, then everybody stay in the house, close businesses, shut down the economy, uh, abort the education system. If we can do that, maybe in a few months or years, there'll be a vaccine and then we could start all over again from scratch. Well, I, I can't. I can't support that. That's a that's and but I believe that's the that's the thinking now. If we can wait till the vaccine, until then, put life on hold, put the economy into the tank, and let our children become. I don't know what 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 do they become if they don't go to school? And what happens to the parents who have jobs and have to stay home rather than leave, you know, children five, six, nine, ten years old? alone at home to do their remote learning. I mean, this that's crazier still than letting the, the virus uh, run its natural course. That's crazier still. But what do you think if they actually contract the virus at school and bring it home to their parents? Well, here's, you know, uh, it's, it's very well established that children either don't contract the disease. You know, they must have – children have – ferociously uh, effective immune systems. Uh, and there may be other reasons why they don't get it, or if they do get it, it's, uh, they, they immediately wipe it out, they, they sterilize the virus. Uh, the other thing is, it's well known that they, it, they rarely, and that doesn't mean never, but they rarely transmit it to adults. However, I would suggest that a child who goes to school and may possibly pick up the virus, even if they don't get ill from it, might possibly pick up the virus, they probably shouldn't go uh, sitting on the lap and smooching their grandparents. Yeah, I wouldn't think that's a great idea. Yeah. And that, <laughs> aside from that, I don't, I don't see uh, any of the uh, extreme uh, uh, lockdown methods, especially – as applied to children and young people, I don't see the reason for doing it. Well, going back to the hospital thing, things are not good out here in El Centro, California, where I'm located, actually. Uh, I, I did want to mention that here to uh, Mike and you, of course, and everyone else, that the National Guard is actually out here now, and they are helping conduct mobile testing uh, right here next to the next to the hospital. And that's, that's great. That's yeah, great. It's pretty now, pretty you know, wild. Now, you know, Michael... It's interesting because several months ago, I remember you had said that things were pretty much okay. They were okay at first. And now it all kind of went to hell? It kind of went to shit pretty quickly out here. Well, I mean, are people dropping like flies? Are people dying? I don't know if they're dying, but they're being sent out of here. I know they probably wouldn't have these sort of extended tents if things were, I guess you could say, honky-dory out here. Well, you know, if they uh, if they're doing testing, I, I absolutely applaud that. It's a very it's odd thing that's going thing. on, Doc. For I've sure, been tested tw- I've been tested twice. You've been tested. Did they stick the thing down your nose or or your throat? Yeah, up the swamp. <laughs> Let's say up your nose. Uh, yeah, and yeah, sure. And you know, it is a, a very effective uh, uh, measure. And you know. Uh, Testing people, I think they should do it. They should put the National Guard, the way you describe, around tents and test everybody left and right. And if you get tested positive, great. Go home, lock yourself up, 
uh, talk to your doctor, probably get treated by telemedicine, stay home and stop spreading it. That's, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Stay home. Don't talk to your grandparents. Uh, <laughs> don't go to nursing homes and spread it to the vulnerable. Once you know you've had it, good. Uh, but once you know that you haven't had it, I don't really understand why you're wearing a mask. Are you going to be – you're not coughing. If you don't have it in your nose, then talking to people is not going to require a mask, which may be ineffective anyhow. Look, I wear masks when I'm in company. I wear masks when I go to the store, uh, if I go to a coffee shop, or if I pick up uh, uh, something in a store or, you know, take out food. I wear masks. Sure. And, and why wouldn't you? But uh, Well, Michael Jackson did. Too, too far, <laughs> yeah. Uh, M- Michael Jackson was wearing a mask way back in the early 90s. And he was ridiculed for it? He was. He was ahead of his time. <laughs> Let me bring something up, guys. Go ahead. When I when I when I had first got my opportunity to sing for the Misfits in 1998, I'll never forget how we got on a plane and we went to England, and uh, the bassist of the band Jerry Only, he wore uh, an operating uh, uh, face mask on yeah. on his face, and I I asked him. I said, "Why why are you wearing that?" He goes, "Well." Everybody knows that when you get on a plane, uh, it's all recirculated air, just like working in an office building. All right. recirculated air. True. And those, those germs just keep getting recycled, recycled. And he said by wearing the face mask, he wasn't breathing in, you know, for the most part. He was filtering the air that was coming through the vents of the airplane. And I'll tell you, after that, I had taken two flights on my own after the whole Misfits thing fell apart. There have been two flights that I've taken, and both of them that I took, I wore a mask because makes sense. It makes sense. Well, for me especially because I've got a I've got a compromised immune system. I had cancer in the past. So, and on top of that, when I was flying, not wanting to catch a cold, I wore a mask. That's right. Makes sense. You know, remember? Now, this goes back many years. I don't remember how long ago. Legionnaire's disease. They had uh, passengers who had been to a an American Legion convention, I believe, and uh, somebody had this uh, pneumonia, uh, an unusual bacteria that causes uh, uh, a specific form of pneumonia, and that went through the airplane's uh, recirculating air system and killed many of them amazing it's not a bad idea to wear a mask i i have never worn a mask on an airplane but you know maybe this is a good thing for the future unless they find a way to sterilize the air going through the filtration system or the recirculation system by the way doc quick quick question for for both of you here actually do you think during the spanish flu of 1918 people were uh, telling other people they shouldn't wear a mask were they? I don't know. I'm asking. I'm wondering. Do you th- have? Has anyone heard of anything like that? Uh, you know, <laughs> I think pictures I've seen, photos, grainy old black and white photos from that era, show some people wearing masks and not others. And not others. Okay. I had no clue. Yeah, I don't know. And then you know the, the troop ships, the soldiers on their way to fight World War One in Europe, uh, were. <laughs> I mean, they were right on top of each other uh, by the hundreds and hundreds of men. Uh, so uh, 
you know, it's not it's not a bad idea. You know, people treating uh, very infectious diseases like measles, and nurses, and so on, um, they wear masks. And well, well, hang on now, hang on. Hundred percent effective, but it's a good idea. Hang on now, Doc. Let's bring something up to that you and I have talked about recently, and that is that when um, in World War One, once the soldiers went into battle and they were on the field, did that did it or did it not help them being outdoors, getting sunlight, vitamin D? Didn't that help them rather than staying inside, sequestered? from getting vitamin D and allowing your body to fight off naturally what you know it could be affected by well I can only express a um, uh, an educated guess and I would say of course uh, since vitamin D is absolutely critical by critical I mean that there's no way around the need for vitamin D um, and you get vitamin D by exposure to the Sun uh, since that is the case then soldiers or young recruits from the industrial cities of America, like Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh, which was the iron and steel producing capital of the, the America. These people were living in smoggy, uh, smoky, uh, dark cities of the late industrial revolution. And I'm sure that they were vitamin D deficient. Right. Therefore, when they were forced outdoors for their training, their boot camp, and uh, and unfortunately also the battlefields, uh, yeah, they would be exposed to the sun. They would uh, develop the vitamin D that they needed to uh, to combat the Spanish flu. Amazing. By the way, Doc, I hate to do this during this conversation, but there is a caller, and I have a feeling they have a question for you. Caller, go ahead. You are live on the air. Uh, more statement. I chimed in. I caught in late to the program, so I didn't hear everything Doctor said. But on the mask issue, I just like to throw down three uh, three premises that are pretty undeniable. Go in and, there. Sorry, and like Aaron. Good evening, Mike. Mike, and, get in uh, there. Doctor. Go ahead. Uh, you got one, which got is the. Uh, the track record, everything that the experts, quote unquote, have told us is either inaccurate, wrong, a lie, or a political narrative. Amazing. Two, two you have the science. Everybody loves science when it backs up what you believe. But the science, the mask does not stop a virus. What it does stop is the flow of oxygen to such a rate that it becomes an OSHA, OSHA violation. If your employer is making you wear it, it reduces your oxygen uh, percentage to a dangerous level. And if you rebreathe your uh, your own pollution, it's a uh, hotbed for bacteria. So the science says completely the opposite when it comes to masks. And then the third tenet I got is the law. There is no law constitutionally that can mandate me to wear this mask. So these edicts, these governors that are on their pulpit saying, you must do this. That went through no course of law, and you can't violate my rights. So one, two, three, I say hell no to a mask. Amazing. Well, it has become a political divide um, because uh, those who uh, adamantly and militantly uh, apply masks and demand it of everybody else uh, seem to fall into one political category. Uh, they uh, accept all, all the uh, 
lately uh, come recommendations that people should wear masks. Remember when they said not to wear masks, and now those same authorities are saying wear masks. So, but those who accept that fall into a particular political category, and those like this caller uh, fall into an entirely different political category. Let's call them the libertarian or constitutionalist uh, uh, political category. Um, you know, I'm somewhere in between. I know that I don't enjoy wearing a mask and I, I'm dying to take it off. Me too. Uh, because I feel like I'm rebreathing my, my CO2. I don't like it. I don't it. think I'm deprived of oxygen, but I think I'm, I'm failing to blow off the CO2. I'm rebreathing my own carbon dioxide that you exhale. But uh, I don't think it has a really a serious uh, physical or health you know, detrimental health effect. I really don't think wearing a mask has that has the uh, untoward effect that our, our caller believes. However, you know, uh, I haven't seen studies on it, and uh, you know, the the doctors I know who specialize in uh, respiratory diseases, and they have very refined methods for checking. Uh, what your oxygen level is with and without a mask, what your carbon dioxide level in your blood is with and without a mask. And um, so I, I, I just don't know how those, uh, how those findings shake out uh, if and when subjected to those really accurate assessments. By the way, Doc, one thing that I did want to mention to the uh, caller here and to you and Mike and all the listeners out there, I did want to mention that the media also doesn't talk about the abundance of those who actually survived the CCP virus. Uh, lots right. of people have recovered. The only issue right. with that is even though you contract this virus and you are quote unquote uh, cured from the virus, it, you know, it's still, it's still in your system. It's still a, it's a very weird sort of virus. Um, that's why I'm led to believe that this was man made, Doc. Uh, well, I don't know about man-made. I think that what they do in these virus labs is they they collect viruses from the uh, you know from animal sources, from bats and fish. Uh, I, I mean, I've, I've read that bats and fish have been sources for uh, for the labs to uh, to harvest viruses and study them. So I, I don't know that that's. Uh, that's how I see it. It's not so much manufactured. Could it be altered in the labs? Yes, you can alter. I say you can. They can right. alter the genetics of a, of a virus, and I guess that's part of what the labs are dedicated to doing because then, then they can figure out ways to build, uh, uh, to create uh, remedies for the virus uh, uh, by studying how they modify the genetics of the virus. Also, biological warfare. By the way, caller, go ahead. I'm sorry about that. that that's okay. And, and like what you're saying is on point. It's uh, virologist. This is a naturally occurring virus, and it's manipulated in the laboratories to bring about different uh, aspects and attack certain um, genes, if you will. And CRISPR is the technology is scary. Um, but again, I have to come back to the facts. Aside from the political side of the fence you're on, you don't have a right to make me wear something. And if you want to wear a mask, by all means, more power to you. And I have a handful of masks that I wear at different times. Uh, right now I'm unemployed, but I used to work in the uh, in, in a lot of different places that I do confined space. And you go into the training you get when you go into a confined space, you have an atmospheric monitor, and it tests the air for all the pollutants and everything else. 
and if it drops below a certain percentage of oxygen, it goes off because it's an unsafe environment and they need to pipe in fresh air. It's an easy meter, so it's easy to tell. This mask, is, it, it's a scam. And, and, and I have to come back and step away from the politics. Let's look at the beans, the facts, the money. Okay, these bums, these bums who created this crisis have profited to the tune of trillions of dollars on this. And these people are lying, cheating, and stealing, coming and going, and everybody knows it. Everybody knows they're stealing trillions of dollars out of nowhere off of your great-grandchildren's backs. I don't have any. So your children are going to pay for this with their lives for the rest of their lives. They're thieves. They're liars. They're cheats. And everybody knows it. And these tests, these tests are manipulated so that if you had a common cold, a.k.a. the coronavirus, if you have a coronavirus, it, is, it sticks with you. The antibodies do because your body fights off the cold. So that's what these, a lot of these tests are picking up, these false positives. Oh, I had a cold 10 years ago. My body still has antibodies from that cold. The tests are designed to say everybody has it because you have over 100 companies that are fighting for multi-billion dollar contracts to produce this vaccine, let alone the legislation that can implement and force the vaccine, which is nothing more than a big money laundering cycle. They're taking money out of nowhere and using us like guinea pigs. It's evil. I have to agree with him. Well, in support of what he's saying, and, you know, I, I can only half-heartedly support uh, uh, everything that our caller has said. But in support of what he's saying, look at the massive industry of uh, protective gear that the Chinese uh, uh, that, that the Chinese Communist Party initiated in their own country. The production of masks and, and uh, protective suits, hazmat suits, uh, gloves, uh, hand uh, wash, hand wipes, uh, antiseptics. China uh, created a huge industry and monopolized it for many years, I mean, not many years, but for many weeks and months. They monopolized the production of gloves and masks and hazmat suits and all the other protective gear. So in support of what our uh, caller is saying, uh, there's certainly uh, an element of uh, greed and uh, and malicious uh, uh, intentions involved in that in that effort. No doubt. I still certainly think... I still certainly think that this was man-made, um, used. Um, the help of a bat like a SARS and a human SARS all joined in a nice little co- concoction, rather, uh, and served up to you by a, a bio-weapons lab by the military. I think that's exactly what happened here and what's been going on and the fact that this thing hasn't been that potent is because it's not a complete virus. I think this was just an experiment of sorts, and that's what leaked out, and that's what we're dealing with. Caller, go ahead. Uh, it's the good. The good. Uh, the flu has many different names. One I like them partial to is called the control virus, and this is absolutely what they did. They rolled out the martial law. I mean, you don't even talk about the flu deaths. So there are no flu deaths this year because they lumped them all to the cornholio. Okay. But what they did is they used this to control the society. They implemented the martial law. They took over the food system, the petroleum. They took over everything. It's the fourth turning or it's the, uh, the, the fourth industrial revolution. They're smashing the old global order and bringing in a new one. And now the powers that be, the powers that shouldn't be, are all fighting over who's going to control this 21st century thing. The fix is in, and you're right, follow the money. Look at the money. Look at where it's coming and going. Event 201, Bill Gates and John Hopkins, they war this exact scenario at the same time it breaks out. 
This is not more than circumstantial evidence. And they hold the patents for these viruses for many years past. And they have all the fingers and all the avenues and all the, to do all their things. They're guilty as can be. Everybody knows it. This nobody has balls big enough to press the charges. And caller, let me ask you this question here. There was a, a COVID party. I'm not sure if you uh, heard this, but there was a, a kids. Well, I shouldn't say kids. This guy's like 30. Uh, I believe he was attending a COVID party, uh, thinking the virus was a hoax, and now he's fucked. What, what's your take yeah. on that? These are the same morons that eat Tide Pods. Exactly. I call it natural selection. Let them die. Die. I'm sorry. Let's quit. You just not. I don't want to be harsh and cruel and say die. Everybody deserves a chance for life. Uh, we've misprogrammed them, so it's only half their fault that they're morons. But at some point, you become accountable for your own actions. And a sixth grader could see this. You could line it out like with beans. And in every disaster, 9-11, follow the money. Where the, well, like the insurance here and who had stocks in here and did this. You look at the BP Macondo oil well. Uh, Halliburton took boots and coots over like 10 days late, earlier. The spill, it just follow the money all the way. And, and again, it's a whole new world though. They need this 5, 5G blockchain technology to push us into the 21st century control grid. Quite frankly, it's a geocomputer. We're already all on it. We all have data communicators on us, near us, or somewhere around that can, they're monitoring our every aspect of our life. They just want to link it together for total control. And they got to get rid of the money because, oh my God, the germ lives. It doesn't live. Got to get rid of it. It's fear and it's terrorism. Like, I mean, do you believe this bullshit they're talking about? There's a coin shortage. Total horseshit. Coin shortage. Total horseshit. Yeah, I heard that. You haven't too. heard of the coin and shortage? I, I got to, I, I got to, I got to agree with the, with the caller on, on a lot of aspects. However, I'm, I'm going to go right out there and say it since nobody else has said it. I, I believe that this is a movement from the left, the Democratic Party, that is uh, trying to make it so that they – that everybody thinks, well, you know, uh, President Trump didn't do enough and thus it's his fault that so many people died. But – it's not. I mean, you cannot blame one man. Mike, are you for- saying the virus is from the left? Is that what you are saying? I'm not saying it's. From okay, I was the confused. Left. I'm like, what? What the fuck is he talking about here? No, let, let me. Let Mike, me if I may, myself. Mike I'm was sorry. trying to say is that they hijacked this whole scenario to destroy the economy, debate to debase the Trump train. And, and Mike right. is so right. They're absolutely politicized this. And you can look down the party lines. The states that have the close down and the mask laws—they're all Democratic shitholes. And they're the same places that have all the deaths. I mean, in every Democratic city, you have tens of people dying every weekend. Nobody cares. The gun violence through the roof. Why? Because they have all the laws that say you can't carry a gun. You look at it, it is absolutely being politicized. But I think it's so much more than the right-left paradigm of the dirty bird. It's global. Right. And and they're trying to take over the new order. And Trump is derailing that. Trump's like, fuck your Luciferian new world order. I don't want nothing to do with it. You know, America and God. Well, you can't have that. That's why the entire <laughs> American guy. world was Amazing. against them. Uh, by the way, caller, tell me about this coin shortage. Uh, the U.S. Mint, the, the Treasury, the Mint, they had problems getting supply and demand because of the whole manufacturing cornholio. Nothing's traveling or working stay-at-home order. So they weren't able to mint this year's run of coinage. So now they're using this as a reason to say there are no, there's a, there's a shortage of coins and in some registers at some locations, you'll come into a sign that says exact change only because we don't have money. They're just pushing right. you onto your card. Wow. Yep, that I, I didn't know. Now that I didn't know, I had no idea of this uh, coin shortage. Very strange. And uh, thank you for that uh, caller. I will have to look into that.
it's just as much nonsense as like the virus lives on the bill. They're just pumping terror and trying to remove the money from the system because it's all going crypto. They have to to prevent this. Uh, what is it called? Not the singularity, but the the Internet of Things. It's a technological term. Internet of Things. That's where all the things communicate with one another and makes this big mega control grid, and we're all, it makes everything so seamless and smooth until you're a dissident or you say something they don't like, then they just turn you off. And even worse, this flu, this freaking COVID cornholio flu that they're working, this is a nano flu. These are nanoparticles, smart dust. MIT created it with DARPA. We breathe this trash in and it's activatable with frequencies. So now once we all get chipped and gridded onto this system, they can now turn your flu on. Just by, by like computers and such, because they got, it, 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 that's nefarious. Smart dust, look it up. You breathe it in and it's controllable. Amazing call. And by the way, any more questions for the doc before we part ways here? Call. No, that's it. I, again, I apologize because I missed the first part of the program. I got a couple five-year-olds running around uh, who I'm doing. I got to get them some chem sticks. So my bad, but thank you much, Mike, Mike, and doctor. I uh, appreciate you taking my call. You got it. I hope got they don't it, get man. you sick, by the way. <laughs> no, no cornholio here. Have I hope not. Making soda every day. Mahalo. Take care. Uh, well, hopefully he doesn't contract the CCP virus from his children if they go to school. Um, every parent I know always gets sick uh, because of their children. Well, this is a unique uh, illness, and it's not – yes, you know, uh, the seasonal flu uh, is very uh, uh, infectious toward children. And uh, and children are very effective uh, transmitters of the seasonal flu back home to their families, to their parents. That's not the case, at least as far as we've seen. That's not the case with the COVID-19. It does not behave like the seasonal flu in terms of using uh, children as the vectors for spreading it. Well, I hope the school is open, by the way, because I want to see what happens once they do go back to school and if they do start spreading the virus to their parents. So this would be a great experiment, Doc. Well, yeah. And, you know, the, so far, the, the, those who uh, study the, uh, the, the spread of this say that children rarely get it and even more rarely transmit it to adults. In fact, but that remains to be seen. You're right. Open the schools and let's see what happens. I want to see what happens. I mean, I'm uh, very curious to see what happens. And, I, well, hopefully that isn't really taken and in a way where it's like, oh, well, he's being cruel to say that. He yeah, wants no, to. He wants parents to be sick. But, no, this is a good experiment of sorts, in my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. No, I know what you mean. You're not being malicious, you're, 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 or even facetious. You're, you're simply saying that, you know, we should see what happens and stop screwing around by this constant, you know, shut everybody up and put them away and don't work. I mean, it is. The, I mean, this is absolutely insane, man. It's insane. Um, so many people are, 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 including myself, are suffering greatly as a result of no work. I mean. It can't go on like this, and I, I really think it's being completely blown out of proportion. Matter of fact, Doc, uh, Michael had uh, believes that he may have, may have had it in what was it, Michael? January? When it was like sometime sick? in January, but uh, I, I didn't have any of the classic symptoms that one would have if they had COVID nineteen. So I'm not even sure if I had contracted the virus or not. I don't know. But I was really sick, there, though. There That's is true. an antibody. There is a 
an antibody test that you can undergo. Uh, and if you were requested from your physician, you might be able to have that your blood drawn and show if you uh, have uh, evidence of previous infection with it. Really? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Because I would like to know. China. I also I got sick at the beginning of January, right after New Year's uh, Day. Uh, I think it was like three or four days later, five days later, I got terribly sick. I was like, I was out on the couch for about four or five, about four days. And when I went to the doctor, they had they had said it was strep throat and flu A. Yeah, sore throat is definitely one of the uh, features of the COVID virus. Really? Because I would like to know if there's a way I can get tested and see if I actually did have it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and uh, I had that not only the nasal swab that Michael asked me about earlier, oh boy. but I had the blood test too to show that no, fortunately or unfortunately, I have not had it and I don't have antibodies against it. So you did have the swab test. What about the I nasal? I had the swab test twice and I had the blood test too. No nasal test. Yes, he's wait. The swab is from the nose, nasal. Oh, okay, okay, yes. That's what you asked me about. You said that they stick it up my nose, yes. Right, okay. I did so you... that twice, negative, and I also had the blood test to see if uh, there was evidence in the uh, production of antibodies from having had the virus, and that was negative also. I, I have not been exposed. Very, very well, very well. And I'm glad, and by virtue... What we are experiencing right now in this point in time is historic. The historians will have plenty to say and relay about what happened in the year 2020. Oh, yeah, I'll say. My sure. goodness, the paradigm shift is happening now, whether we like it or not. Yep. And I'm yep. not affiliated to any political party, by the way. I'm completely independent and have never received a dime from the U.S. government. Um, yeah. I'm afraid we will continue to see more civil unrest across uh, across America, Doc. Oh yeah, I'm afraid so. It's it, not over. It's if not I over may at change all. The subject, if I may change the subject just a hair, have either one of you guys seen the news about the apparent uh, BLM uh, monument that's going up in front of Trump Tower in New York City? Well, it's uh, they're painting the street right with Black Lives Matter. Yes, big yellow, big oversized yellow uh, lettering. Uh, uh, actually, hand painted by Mayor De Blasio. Uh, hand painted. I take pictures of him painting it. You know, with the roller on the long uh, stick. He's what a very douche. Tall. He's such a douche. douche. So he has a long handle roller, and he's painting this sign. Yeah. What oh. a douche! I can't stand him. He's yes. not likable or admirable <laughs> in any way. De Camio. <laughs> So, yes, I'm afraid we will continue to see the civil unrest while both sides are completely brainwashed to a certain degree. I think many have unfortunately drank the proverbial Kool-Aid factions, uh, groups, teams, all designed to tell you what to do and what not to do, like TV and social media. Who to like, who to dislike, who to fear. Yeah. None yeah. of it ever stops you uh, in your none of this actually stops your entire life. No, fortunately. I mean, this never stops. If you are someone who is self-employed in some type of a gig economy, uh, I don't know, say a musician or like, a like myself or an like artist. myself, that's a photographer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, none of it ever stops. You know, your entire life you are being pimped. You are, 
you fall through the cracks. The government's not doesn't have you targeted for for assistance, and uh, the uh, your economy uh, is dead. I mean, I, I have friends, a lot of friends who are disc jockeys, DJs. Sure. You know what they do? They they try to do these online uh, dance parties. Oh my! I mean, I really really admire them. I really uh, think it's a wonderful courageous, enterprising thing for them to do. But I haven't listened to a single one of them. I haven't done it. <laughs> and I mean, and these are friends. I, I I love them. I support them. But, you know, it's it's sort of pathetic what we've been, you know, reduced to. That's this right. This is what we've been reduced to. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm telling both of you and everyone out there. None of this ever stops. Your entire life, you're being pimped out by the very system you and I defend to make no questions about it. I love this country, and I will always try to defend whichever idiot is in the big chair. But with that, with that said, I'm not, I'm not even religious, and I feel crucified uh, by the IRS, and I'm feeling crucified right now by China. Yeah, yeah, they, they really, they really screwed us badly. They really, really did. This is a wonderful uh, coup that they've pulled off—a wonderful triumph that they've carried out. The Chinese Communist Party has to be recognized as the most evil and destructive force in the world today. China. <laughs> I the, agree. the Chinese Communist Party has, you know, has surpassed all other villains of the world. Uh, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, none of them can come near the amount of harm destruction and malice that the Chinese Communist Party has visited upon the entire world. They're winning the fight, in my opinion. They're winning the fight right now. You know, Doc if, and Mike, if, if both of you would have told me there's going to be a pandemic, I would have thought both of you are just insane. I would have yeah. said the same thing. I would have said the same thing. I, was, no I would have said you guys no are smoking way. crack. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought... <laughs> Look, Michael, I, I would have thought exactly what you would have thought about us being in control it's insane but look as we just said before the ccp lied they lied to us about it they lied to the whole world and they covered it up and that's where the problem started yeah and look at what they're doing to hong kong they are they're such vicious uh tyrants what they're doing to hong kong uh i just saw a chinese uh uh, a woman doctor, I think she must be from Hong Kong. She uh, said that uh, I, I think she she had to flee to America. She said that if she stayed in Hong Kong, they would disappear her and kill her My. Uh, for revealing what you know what the Chinese Communist Party is doing to that part of the world. Oy vey! You know, and it, it makes you think because when President Trump took office and began to buck horns so to speak with china in the sense that you know the trade deals were bad and he put sanctions on them and then we stood up for hong kong when they were trying to put them down you know it makes you think gee did 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 china do this purposely are they pissed at us because we interfered with them look they were even building islands off the the coast of uh, well not off the coast but near japan and making the military sites i mean they they've gotten to a point where they are extremely dangerous to the entire world, and it's ultimately their goal to take the world and dominate it. I mean, and they're doing a goddamn good job. Yeah, no doubt about that. 
Yes, whether it was intentional or not, they are winning the fight, in my opinion. And I'm at the edge of my seat, boys, in pure anticipation in what happens next. This is what I can only describe as a bad horror movie that you'd find on Netflix at 2.34 a.m. on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah, only it's yep. real life. Only it's real life. That's my goodness. That's yep. insane. I'm, I'm with you on that, Michael. I've been a nervous wreck. I've lost sleep over it at, at times. I, I'm really, I'm frightened to 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 be very truthful. Uh, I don't want to see a war, but at the same time, see who was it? I forget who we talked to that had indicate had indicated the following: China will not attack us. They know that we will kick ass in minutes. China understands the unconventional warfare method, the art of war. Get your enemy from within. Slowly get them from within. I have a classic thing I want to read to you right now. I saw a fascinating uh, uh, little blurb today from the 60s or early 70s. I think it was late 60s. A guy by the name of Yuri Bez. Bez Bienov, Bezbienov, Russian guy who defected from the USSR. He said there's a, an ideological subversion or a psychological warfare that uh, was, is a method in uh, ways for countries to defeat their enemies. And, and there's three stages of it. One is demoralization, and it takes about 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation through one generation of students. Uh, Marxism is pumped into their brains and, and through learning facilities and so, whatnot, and uh, which has already been done to the country. All right, and uh, it's basically being done by Americans to Americans, or at least was done by Americans to Americans. True. Uh, and fo no facts mean anything to these people because they refuse to accept. Any facts? They only. This is what the liberal, uh, the PC liberal world uh, currently is thriving on. Second is destabilization. It takes two to five years to destabilize a nation. And lastly uh, is crisis. You can create a crisis in six weeks. Uh, that which is exactly what's happening right now. And then you have people who promise all these these goodies to everybody, like free college. Uh, free healthcare, free this, that, and the other thing. Um, civil rights defenders are very useful in, in 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 taking over a country, and as they continue to 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 spill their rhetoric to all their their new uh, indoctrinated people, eventually they get cut down too. And Doc, if you remember, you and I had a conversation about that on how the very leaders who who lead the revolution. What what was it? Uh, uh, Jaco Jacobins. The Jacobins. Yeah, the I Jacobins. think Robespierre, who was like the head of, of the uh, I shouldn't use the term head. He was the leader of those chopping off the heads of everybody that was not in on you know the uh, uh, the French Revolution. They were not in on the ideology of it, so he had their heads uh, chopped off. And then he wound up being uh, targeted for the same thing by his colleagues who said, no, no, you're not orthodox enough. And he lost his head. Robespierre was the, uh, That's right. like the perfect example of that.
And and just to finish off on what I was just saying, the ver that has happened in um it's happened in uh where did we fight uh Vietnam? Uh, help me out. Vietnam. <laughs> Vietnam, right. In Vietnam, uh uh what was his name? Mao Mao uh well, uh well at that time that was Ho Chi Minh. Ho Chi Minh. Yeah, but but uh, even people maybe- Maybe you're thinking of the Maoist uh, cultural revolution. The Maoist culture as well. All of them. They've all had – they have these re- rebellious uh, uh, uprisings and the ver- sometimes the very people who are involved in those uprisings get murdered themselves. How many yeah. people How many people did Hitler uh, kill as – you know? Yeah, good Nazis. Yeah. It, it and, never and, works. And Stalin did that with the – the upper echelons of the Communist Party. Oh, <laughs> after, so many. After they, after they, uh, you know, slaughtered all the opponents of the Communist Party, then Stalin turned and collected all the upper echelon of the Communist Party and had them killed. Yep. So, I mean, it's just, I just, I've said it a hundred times on this program. I just can't believe we're living through this. I really can't. I what's, what's going on in this country is, is isn't there? There's a there's a a curse that the uh, Chinese say, uh, "May you live in interesting times." Oh my! Is that is that a curse? Yeah, that's a curse that uh, <laughs> you say to your worst enemy. I hope you wind up living in interesting times. Really? I never heard of that before. Oh, but that's, yeah. I think that's I'm going to start saying that. <laughs> and I tell the truth, I, since we're on the subject of Chinese, I think I may have misattributed it to Chinese, but I know it's a sort of an Asian mentality. May you live in interesting times. Nice. And certainly we are right now. But uh, you know what, Michael? I have to tell you one thing. Uh, you, you, you know, we've all you, me, and Mike Hideous here all expressing amazement that we are stuck in this pandemic. Right. But you know, those who study it uh, are pretty much of the opinion that a pandemic like this is bound to come around every hundred years. Yeah, That's things exactly happen. Right. In, things happen in cycles for for sure. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. You know, the development of uh, viruses and things that run counter to uh, methods of treatment and so on, um, at about every hundred years. It was and, our you know, time. Going back to history, I can't name all of them before the Spanish flu, but you can bet there was, there was one in 1818 and 1718 and 1618. They, uh, they, they come up maybe more frequent in the Middle Ages, you know. Uh, there was one in 1720. There yeah, was they, one in 1820. There was one in 1919 or 1918. So okay. every 100 years. It was yeah. just our time. Yeah. That's just the way it goes, and the economy is already in the toilet, and it's only going to get worse, by the way, from here on out. If you can imagine, oh, I know, I, I hate, I know, I'm expecting to see a whole lot of businesses tanking and pay cuts left and right. Maybe even those in the media will get their pay cut as well. Oh, maybe they'll get we what might they see deserve. That. We, we might see that. And by the way, Doc, I did want to ask you your opinion on Dr. Fauci. Well, you know, my opinion is mixed. Uh, first, let's give credit where it's due. Dr. Fauci, before this came about, and he's a man in his 70s. I think he's older than I am. I think he might he's, be. Uh, he's up there. Uh, for the past 50 years, he has been 
the leading and most prolific uh, writer of scientific studies in the world. Nobody has uh, more credits uh, in their resume. Uh, no one has higher credentials. He has done the most studies and publications, you know, scientifically proven, peer-reviewed and scientifically proven uh, uh, studies, and, and uh, he's the tops when it comes to that. Now, that said, his orientation is not yours or mine. Uh, his orientation is, well, how do we treat the disease? How do we prevent its spread? And He's not weighing that against the uh, economic disaster that uh, the measures he recommends are causing. He's right. not taking into account the harm. I mean, I'm sure he is, but he doesn't weigh it as heavily as uh, uh, an economist would, as a as a statesman, a politician, a a government leader. He doesn't weigh those. He his emphasis is on the healthcare measures and that trumps everything as far as his uh, pronouncements in my opinion he gets now, paid late, either way yeah now lately he has sort of started to make comments about the adverse effects the harm caused by some of these extreme lockdown measures. Lately, he has made some statements in that regard. I can't quote them, but I know he's talked about, well, yeah, it is harmful to children, and yeah, it is bad for people to be locked up, and yes, psychologically, uh, you know, there may be uh, emotional harm done to people, and the economic damage is not reversible, and so on. You know what the thing is? He's been... In, too long in his in his role, and as such, I, I guess his ideas. You know, my I'm I'm an older man too. My ideas are fixed, <laughs> so his ideas are fixed, and he's not open to uh, you know changing them or incorporating alternate opinions. He's seventy nine years old, by the way. Yeah, wow. good for him. Uh, you know, he's done a, a wonderful wonderful uh, job in the role he served for many, many years and deserves to be, uh, deserves to be uh, credited for that. But, uh, you know, uh, he's, he's, not a, he's not a treating physician and uh, he doesn't, for example, treat people with depression. He doesn't uh, do preventive measures for suicide. He doesn't uh, uh, worry about uh, uh, people can't pay their mortgages. The mortgage is not his specialty. Viruses and epidemics are his specialty. So he thinks about viruses and epidemics. He doesn't think about suicides and and uh, and uh, you know uh, failures of businesses and people having their homes repossessed. He doesn't think about those things. Oh, no, I don't mean he's ignorant of it. He just doesn't weigh them as important as he does the things he's devoted his whole life to. Like yeah. I said, he's been around for like 20 way. years, I believe. My goodness. Yeah. He's been doing it been a while. for 50 years, yeah. Yeah, he's going to get paid either way. As you said, he, he's thinking about the, the medical part of it, and he's going to get, you know, well, get he, his check. That's his role, and, and he should. But, but you know, it's, he shouldn't have a monopoly on how things, uh, on policy. He shouldn't I have, agree. Yeah. 
I, I agree 100%, and that's yeah. why I don't think it should have been just left to him uh, to make so, so, some of these very important decisions. But, you know, yeah. some people just wanted to, to make – and again, that's the political divide. Many of our fellow citizens feel that he should be the – you know, I, people quoted, I believe in the science. By that, they mean everything Dr. Fauci says should be law. Well, you know, isn't that what they mean when they say, I believe in the science? Well, I believe in the science too, but uh, science has many, many uh, facets, and uh, it can be applied to economics, it can be applied to uh, family sociology, it can be applied to government and uh, national defense and so many other things. It's not just about illness and disease and, and this one particular pandemic. Right. And uh, how long has it been, Mike, that we've been talking about uh, this pandemic? Since since February, since it March, broke, I, right? Pretty much. Yeah. My goodness. You know, it is kind of hard to talk about any other subject right now, to to be perfectly honest. You know, I've tried, right. Mike, but I, my attention goes right back to what America is currently facing. Right. It's very hard to get my well, mind off of this. Go ahead, Mike. I, I will help you then. Um, many people don't know uh, Dr. John is also a is um, a fabulous artist. Uh, he's also very much into music. I, I met. Let me let me give you a quick story of how I met Dr. John. In 1993, uh, I was married at the time. In fact, I was freshly married about a year. And uh, with my band at the time, Empire Hideous, we were still fresh, still new, not exactly good. And we played a show, uh, my first real show, at CBGB's in New York City, the famous CBGB's. And after the show, we did – I was happy. We did a pretty good night that night. We, you know, we had a good show. And after I walked off stage, this gentleman walks up to me and my wife and says to me, how you doing? My name's Dr. John. I want to paint your picture. <laughs> Mike, and, Mike, Mike, let me interrupt you just for a second. Just coincidentally, I'm wearing this shirt, A Night of Misanthropy, that I bought at that show no in 1993. Yep. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. That, but, that's, anyhow. So, yeah. So, basically, uh, we played this show, Night of Misanthropy, at CB's. And afterwards, Doc came up and said – and asked my wife at the time, Carrie and I, if he could paint us in the uh, form of the famous American Gothic image, with, which is the farmer and his wife, the farmer holding the pitchfork uh, – yeah, the pitchfork. And uh, he wanted to do this thing that he, that he, that he had uh, titled, What Happened to American Gothic? Playing words on the whole Gothic scene. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the image. Everybody knows that image. That's right. And so uh, I, you know, Doc and I immediately started talking. Um, we became friends after that. It took him about about a year to, to complete the painting. Um, and yeah, you from, you and Kerry, you and Kerry came over the house, and I know I, I set a camera up on a tripod. I'm not much of a photographer, but I got the photos I needed and different uh, angles and so on and. Uh, Executed uh, a, a, a painting. I'm, I'm very proud of uh, the uh, what's a, what's um, what's happened to American Gothic. 
Yep. As a matter of fact, I I, I have it. Uh, it's in my art room. I still have a, a copy uh, painting. He, he had a print made of it, uh, and he he gave it to me. It was very nice. It's a beautiful image. It's not only hanging on my wall, but uh, the last Empire Hideous release uh, album CD, uh, which was called Remixes Through Time, actually has that painting. Uh, that Dr. John had done in 1994. My crowning um, achievement, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, since then, Doc has also um, been a part of my band, both supportive and, in fact, even working with me. He helped me manage the band back in uh, between 95 and 96. Um, uh, thereafter, he had retired, turned it over to another guy by the name of Marty Coleman. Long story short, um, Doc... Uh, when I did my so-called, uh, if you will, uh, the acoustic comeback two years ago in um, uh, 2018 on Halloween weekend, we played it at Dr. John's studio in New Jersey uh, where he allowed us to perform uh, a set of acoustic songs, Empire Hideous songs for uh, a group of people who had showed up to a party. So Doc has been very supportive not only of me in Empire Hideous and pretty much everything else I've done, but also in the gothic scene or the goth scene, if you will, he has written uh, for magazines. He, he, he had his own column in a, in a uh, New Jersey paper called Arts Weekly. Um, he still writes fabulous reviews. Um, he, he's a great writer, absolutely fantastic, oh, a, a great painter. You. You're quite welcome and you know thank that. Thank you so much. Um, and Doc and I have become very good friends uh, over the years. And the reason I wanted to have him on tonight was because of his expertise um, in, med in the medical field, uh, not so specifically with viruses, but his, as I say, his association with other doctors who are familiar with it, as well as his knowledge and reading about the circumstances. You know, he, he had an opinion, and I really wanted to bring it on tonight because we do talk to another doctor by the name of uh, Dr. Paul Cottrell from New York City, and mm -hmm. he has explained some very interesting things to us that uh, usually leave me quite frightened at the end of our conversation. Yeah, so. I know. I heard him uh, very, very detailed uh, and in-depth uh, knowledge of this uh, of this epidemic. No doubt, and he's in the heart of it too in New York City. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, Michael. Well, thank you for your kind words, Mike. Uh, You're quite uh, welcome. I hope that uh, I hope that some uh, listeners might uh, check out drjohn.com. That's uh, spelled uh, D-O-K-T-O-R-J-O-H-N, one word. Doctor spelled out with a K instead of a C. dot com, where I have I maintain a website with. Uh, uh, my artwork, but also all the 19 years of uh, writing uh, my column, New Dark Age, and uh, and my uh, thoughts on so many other things, on movies and uh, the goth scene and so many other aspects of uh, our modern culture. So, uh, drjohn.com, it's, uh, it's my baby. That's what I have devoted myself to. Dr. John also is a lover of great cinema. Um, he loves all the old black and white horror films and, and great suspense films from uh, the, the classics, I should say. Yeah, the 30s and 40s, right? Yeah. Thank you. You're quite welcome.
Michael, you there? I'm here. Uh, okay. <laughs> Very nice. And by the way, before we let you go, do you think President Trump has handled the coronavirus, the pandemic properly? Uh, do I think so? Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I can't see uh, any major faults in it because, um, you know, he was quick to uh, cut off any uh, any entry of, uh, of uh, uh, immigration from China. He was quick to cut it off. I mean, what was th- that was the right thing to do. So many people screamed. They called him a xenophobe and a racist. And all. That, what nonsense. You, they had this epidemic in China. It was contagious. Uh, Europe was uh, suddenly inundated. He cut it off. And what else could you do? Uh, he made available the resources of the uh, federal government to people who needed it for uh, – uh, acquiring respirators for their intensive care units and so on. I mean, what else could you do? I can't see anything. Uh, I can't see any fault in his uh, handling of it. Uh, it hasn't been extremely effective, but I don't see how uh, something could be more effective. So, well, I can't, you know, I can't Doc. fault any anything in his policies. I really cannot. As you know, Doc, if I may just intersect for a second, as you know, Doc, President Trump could come up with a cure for cancer and they'd still give him a hard time about it. There's there's nothing he can do that will appease the left. They (laughs) simply hate him so much that they are blinded by their hate and they no longer see anything that he does to be worthy of of any sort of uh, – you know, worthiness. Yeah, that seems to be the case. What you're saying seems to be uh, undeniable. No doubt. Well, once again, thank you so much for being a part of the program, uh, Doc. We will talk to you again on the other side. Sure, and uh, it's been a uh, it's been enjoyable. Thank you for having me and giving me an opportunity to express myself in this uh, platform. You got it, Doc. Thank you, Doc. You're welcome, Mike Hideous. And you're welcome, Michael. You got it, brother. Take care. You too. Mahalo. Have a good evening. Have a good night. So long, Doc. So long. Bye now. And there he goes, Dr. John Ambrose. And Mike, it's time for a break here. All right. That came by pretty fast, right? Yeah, we flew through that, man. We flew through that. I agree. Well, once again, Mike, it's that time for another wonderful, deserved break. I, I have the piss, to be honest. Uh, me too. <laughs> I have the piss really bad. So, yeah, perfect timing. And I do want to thank Dr. John for being a part of the program again. A great guest. And, uh, Mike, we will meet again in a few moments here. Absolutely. I'll see you in about five minutes, buddy. Oh, yes. Hang tight. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time to go on a very, very much needed break uh, here. And I I have to um, tell you folks out there, it is a great time to go to the bathroom or go to the fridge. Get yourself a snack or uh, whatever gimmick you want to take before the program starts again. Now is the time to do so. Any gimmick is... Fine by me. And with that said, we'll be right back. 
Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. Welcome back, boys and girls, for round two of the program. I hope you're all doing well out there. Nice to see you in the chat room there. Thanks for sticking around. We've got a bit more to discuss here before we wrap it up. And I believe Mike is also ready. Uh, Mike, what's going on? Are you out there? I'm here. Can you hear me okay? Loud and clear. How are you? I'm all right. I'm uh, refreshed, as we would say. Yes, I needed that break. Me too. And I pissed like a racehorse. <laughs> I really did. Yeah, me too. <laughs> My God. But man, that was fun, right? Uh, what, the piss or the interview? Uh, both. <laughs> the piss and the interview. Yes, yes. Uh, the interview a little bit more than the piss, but uh, definitely both were exciting and invigorating. Uh, Doc, Doc is, is a very, uh, he's a Renaissance man. Um, and it's one of the reasons him and I have been friends as long as we have, uh, I respect him greatly. Um, he, he, you know, he's become a dear friend to my, of mine over the years. Um, and, uh, as I said, that's one of the reasons we've, we've, we've stayed friends as long as we have. Understood. I didn't really get to ask him my final questions, however, like, how is this going to play out in the end, in his opinion? What is the end game? That's what I wanted to know from the doc, but, you know, time is a bitch. It is. Um, gee, uh, knowing, knowing doc as long as I have, I, I couldn't even answer for him. Um, every once in a while, he'll surprise me with his own, you know, obviously his own opinion, but, uh, him and I do see eye to eye on, on several things, although I'm sure he'd like to keep a little bit of a, uh, a privacy on that. You know, I, I don't I don't want to speak for him. So. Understood. Understood. And that's fine. And Mike, another uh, another serious matter I thought we should discuss here before we end the show. Sure. Uh, before we got signed off. The last show, uh, you mentioned uh, Michael Aquino. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, we we run out of time. Um, yes. I, I couldn't talk about that in length. And uh, to be honest with you, Mike, I had received an email about uh, Michael, and I wasn't exactly too sure whether or not I should talk about it or not. This is recent. Oh well, a couple months ago. Oh, okay. It's just I had no idea if this was valid or not. So you you did hear about it? I did hear something about it, but I sort of brushed it off. 
Okay, interesting. Um, I, and you know, I gotta say, Michael, I'm kind of surprised that you would do that because knowing he had the cancer and that he was sick, I mean, he had told us many times, I'm really surprised that you, you didn't think it might have been true. Yeah, I was just a little taken back by it, to be honest with you. That he died or that you had got that message? Both. Yeah. I, I, you know how I found out about it? Um, I was on uh, uh, the show with Jerry and Nish. Uh, what's it called? Noctum? Uh, right. Noxmente. Noxmente. Um, yeah, I, I had done an interview with them. I believe it was last Wednesday. And uh, – or it might have been before that. I don't even remember anymore. But uh, we were talking about magic and I had mentioned the show, the Michael Deacon program, and I had mentioned how you had asked me to come on and do the interview with you on a – I believe it was four or five separate occasions. When I mentioned that to them, that's when Nish told me that uh, – Michael had passed, and I, I got to be honest with you, I, 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 for a moment there, I was in absolute shock. I mean, I didn't know the guy personally, but he was a massive influence on my life. Him, and of course, you know, Dr. Anton LaVey, who was at one point uh, Michael Aquino. Dr. Michael Aquino was Dr. LaVey's right hand man back in the in the late '60s and early '70s, uh, before the the Church of Satan had fallen apart. Um, so again, big influence of mine. When I heard it on the show, I was taken back, probably just as much as you were. Right, and of course, I had no time to sort of talk about that the last show, so I apologize. And I had heard some things early on, but I felt again kind of on about it. I didn't want to say anything on the air. I wanted to keep some respect and privacy for his friends and family. Right, and you know, they just announced it formally. What, like two two weeks ago, give or take? Something like that, yes. Yeah, in fact, I think it was the day, it was July 1st, Wednesday, uh, when I did the interview, and I think Nish had said they announced it that day, July 1st. Right, and I didn't know Michael for very long, but we became somewhat like friends, and we talked quite a bit off air, and the man, as I mentioned before here on the program, is... Maybe one, if not the smartest person I've ever talked to. Incredibly insightful and humorous. He really enjoyed oh, yeah. this show, matter of fact. Absolutely. Matter of fact, I believe he said it was his favorite show, and he had a lot of respect for me and this program. I, I think he did more interviews on the show than anywhere else. And for Probably. that, for that, I am completely grateful uh, to have crossed a path with, with uh, Michael. And... Uh, <laughs> Check this out, by the way. I had asked him before about the show, if he liked the show. And uh, Mike, believe it or not, I asked him if he had heard of the show before. And he actually said he had. <laughs> kind of weird. Great. I got to say. And he I didn't tell me about that, one. by the way. Yeah, Mike. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was yeah. just saying he, he never told me about that and until after the, the surgery he had. Really? Right. <laughs> There's a few things I have never talked about uh, with anyone uh, about Michael. He's a great, he was a great guy. He really was a great man. Yeah, it's, it's pretty trippy, to be honest with you. Uh, he was definitely the most controversial figure that has ever graced the program, that's for damn sure. 
And oh, yeah. he will be missed by many people out there. And yes, disliked as well by many out there. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. But the thing is, uh, me and him had a very, like, we had like a friendship of sorts, you know? He was That's almost great. like a grandfather type. And I don't know why, Mike, but he had a lot of respect for me. And, you know, again, I'm not, I don't want to toot my own horn. You know, you, you had your connection with him. But I got to say, I think that when I came on the program as a, as a regular, I think he really dug that because knowing my my background with, with magic and my belief no, in of course. Satanism. So I think no, no, he, he, really, yes. he really took that into, like, you know, that was a great thing for him. He's like, oh, well, Michael Deacon's finally got a Satanist on the show. <laughs> he did like you indeed, no doubt. Oh, yes, he yeah. mentioned you in emails, yes. That's another That's thing awesome. I've, I've never really told you. Uh, you know, I'm very private with, with these things off air. I know you are. I don't really like to uh, discuss it, you know, and I, I know he has lots of people out there who hate his gods and wanted him to die, uh, no yeah. doubt. That's life, though. You know, you're always going to have that. Uh, but, again, my yeah, but relationship like with him has, uh, again, it's been completely friendly i've never talked to him about anything else aside from regular life things and uh, just life in general is what me and him would talk about he was a very interesting guy away from off air as well as on air but the things we talked about were pretty normal yeah yeah well he's a normal guy i mean very aside normal. from being the, the high priest of the temple sure. set <laughs> yeah we never talked about we well we, t- we talked a little bit about that but you know, it wasn't exactly like that was the main focus, you know? Sure, sure. I'll tell you, I, I got to tell you, I'm extremely jealous that you got a chance to talk to him off air because I would have loved to to bend his ear on so well, many different subjects. Well, here's the thing, though, uh, uh, Mike. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't know anything about Michael, to be honest with you. It all came, like, after the fact. Right. He knew about me before I knew about him. Amazing. Isn't that crazy? That is amazing. The guy said he liked the show. He said I was his favorite host out of every other one. I Again, I hate to toot my own horn here, but the guy... Facts are facts. He was pretty awesome. You know, he, he was always very nice to me for whatever reason. I don't know why, but he liked me. Pretty, pretty crazy. I don't know. That's wonderful. And I'm hoping to bring perhaps his wife, Lilith, to the program. Yeah. Yeah, Lilith just, would be fun to talk to, Mike. I gotta be honest. Uh, I I just wrote her. I just sent her a sympathy card. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I, I know she doesn't know me, but I wanted to express my condolences. Yes, we'll find out. I'm not yeah. sure if she would like agree to be on the interview. I mean, to do the interview rather. But you know, keep your fingers crossed. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what her life is like. Uh, if she if she uh, partakes in public affairs, you know? I don't think she does, dude. So that's why yeah. I'm like, shit. I don't know if we're gonna be able to pull this one off, but it, right, it would right. be interesting, though, right? Yeah, it would be wonderful. Uh, you know, she's from New Jersey, right? Born and raised, uh, and eventually moved out to San Francisco uh, in the '60s, and eventually met Michael through the Church of Satan. Uh, uh, before it had crumbled. Good Lord. And uh, caller, go ahead. What's going on? Hey, Michael. Um, I wanted to see if you've heard of H.R. 2717. Are we talking about the child trafficking that's been going on? 
No, actually, it's it's taxing guns. Is that what's going on? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it's a thirty percent tax. On so it, it's either guns or child porn being trafficked. What else is new? Go ahead, caller. Right, but it seems like it's anti-gun. So I just didn't know if you heard of it at all. I haven't. Tell me more. Yeah, tell us. Cause um, I, I didn't quite get the first part. Can you repeat it yeah, again one, once more? Yeah, Cole? go ahead. I, I have to. Sure. Put your gain up here. So go I have ahead. To apologize. I've had about a six. I've had about twelve beers. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so I thought it perfect to call in, right? Very nice. Go. But, yes, uh, you're allowed to drink. Governor. Great. Thank you. So the governor of Georgia, who who didn't even know if Guam would fall into the sea, um, he's always on drugs and drunk. So I love him, right? So nice. He proposed this bill. And it's a 30% tax on handguns, 50% tax on ammo, and then you have to register all current and past handguns, and it bans assault rifles. Really? And this is just in Georgia? It's HR 27. HR 27, okay. And they're trying to slip this by during the COVID. I'm not a believer. You know, if you want to wear a mask, fine. But uh, I think it's bullshit. I'm a director of sales for a Fortune 7 medical company, and there's about 61 hospitals in my territory in Florida. And for about three months during COVID, it was like a ghost ship in every really? hospital. Like, nobody there. Yeah. Like, only the doctors and the nurses' uh, parking lot were full. So no, nobody on vents, no patients, nothing. So... I'm not saying that New York wasn't hit. It seems like it was, but uh, to me, it's a hoax. But you know, but I thought the gun, the anti-gun legislation, was kind of interesting. Yeah, that is pretty interesting. At first, I thought you were referring to the Wayfair uh, child trafficking allegations that's been going on. Oh yeah, yeah. No, not at all. No, I know. You know, I wish the elite would leave the kiddies alone. But yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Those bastards. Zero tolerance for that bullshit, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. But yes. Well, wow, brothers. I didn't didn't think I'd get through it. And I'm sorry I've had like 12 beers. No, I mean, that's that's interesting. I know you're you're armed. So I know you guys are armed. So I love it. I know that, Michael, you over in the other coast, you carry. And that's awesome. And I'm armed as well. So I thought HR 2717 is something you should look into. Amazing. Well. I'll tell you one thing, caller. Um, I have My name's to say, Rome, by I the way. Rome. Like the city. Yeah. What's Rome, that? Just like the city. It's uh, Rome, just like the city. That's his name. Oh, okay. Uh, well, all I wanted to say was that uh, based on what you're talking about with this tax on firearms and mm-hmm. ammunition, I'm pleased to say that um, I am okay ammunition wise. Like, okay. <laughs> You're ready to handle a, a Waco incident, Mike? Is that what you're telling me? I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> that comment, Michael. Understood, understood. <laughs> so, caller, where, where are you located at, if you don't mind me asking? You don't have to give us a, a city, but, you know, a state would be nice. Where, where are you at? Yeah, no worries. I'm in Florida, and I've lived in California. I went to Pepperdine. So oh, shit. You're in, you're in yeah. Florida. Yeah. Flo- we got a Florida man here. Where yeah, about? I, I mean, I'm are you in, close to Miami? No, I'm actually in Spring Hill. I'll just name the location. It's uh, an hour north of Tampa, but I've lived in New York. I've lived in 12 states, so and and three foreign countries. So, Florida is great, though. There's no income tax, and you can carry. 
You're, but you are also in a very uh, hot zone, as they call it now in the media, for COVID nineteen and yes, um, Florida of all and places. We see nothing. I'm not. You know, I'm into freedom, like you guys are. I'm a libertarian. I'm not into either party. I can think. You know, I've got a triple digit. I'm not a sheeple. I mean, I support anyone wearing a mask, but I just don't see it. I mean, there's nobody sick. I don't know anybody that has COVID, and I don't know anybody that knows anybody that has COVID. And I'm not saying they're not doing checks. I'm not saying they're not, you know, doing stuff that they're doing, but it just, like 60,000 people died of the flu in 2017, according to the CDC. So how is COVID north of those numbers? So, so the question is, did you know anybody that died of the flu? Well, that's a good point, Michael. Look at you. Um, no, I don't. <laughs> but you, you, you always have the other side. So that's a, that's a great point. But I mean, what are the odds? So, And there's no so vaccine uh, for COVID-19 either, by the way. And it does far more worse than a flu, in my opinion. No, it probably does. It stays in your system like HIV, my friend. No, you're probably right. Fuck I mean, I think that. they're doing some wicked shit. I think they're doing some wicked shit. But I think that this is a test run for when they really unleash it. Well, I agree. That's why this theory. thing. This. That's why this thing was trafficked around like drugs, because it was being experimented on. It's not a complete virus. That's my theory. Of course, I could be completely wrong with that notion. But again, I'm led to believe that this was completely man-made and not a finished product. I agree with you. What do you think of chemtrails? Because honestly, I film them, you know? I mean, I film them doing like, you know, cross-batching of the sky. You watch Breaking Bad, you watch other movies, they're fucking chemtrailing. Prince, the musician, talked about chemtrails and then died like like six weeks later. What do you think about that shit? About Prince or chemtrails? Chemtrails. Well, chemtrails, that's a very fascinating subject on itself, but we, we definitely do breathe in all sorts of um, bad particles and uh, iron and all sorts of nasty chemicals, especially living out here where I am, a heavily sure. agricultural area of El Centro. I mean, we have all, the, uh, we have all these, um, what, are, what are those goddamn planes called, uh, Mike? Those crop dusters, yeah, there we go. We, crop dusters. We, we have lots of that going on as well out here, and yes, the skies uh, are heavily polluted with all sorts of shit that you don't want to be breathing in. And of course, not to mention, um, there's different pathogens that you could be breathing in without even knowing it, and that's whoa, and that that's uh, screwing up everyone's system. Whoa, did you get hit by a car there? Almost. What happened? <laughs> shit. Sorry. Sorry. Typical Florida guy. I know. I thought I thought we were going to be reading about you in the Daily Mail. Florida man hit by car. I just thought I'd send it. On a motorcycle. Trails and COVID. I just fucking thought I'd do it, Michael. That's okay. Yes. So, um, so are you a believer or not? Because that was a very political politician answer. Do you believe in chemtrails or no? I believe so. Okay. No, I yeah. think so. I, I I truly believe that they are spraying something in the sky, no doubt. So so I have a question for you just as an intelligent person to one intelligent person. What the fuck is that costing to spray every mile of the sky throughout the planet? And who the fuck is doing that? That's a very... I mean, if you just rationally kind of think about that, which we don't, but 
just cost-wise. I mean, what does it cost each day to chemtrail the entire fucking planet? Probably. paying for that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> probably in the billions of dollars. Okay. Per day, would you say? Or? I wouldn't even say per day. I would say per year. Okay. Kind of like All the right. same way we give money to Israel. So this is what's fucking with me, both Michaels. Like, who's behind all this? Shit? Who is like, behind them? China. You're right. Like, we say we say China, right? But we make all our shit in China. The United States companies are in bed with China. What if China just said, fuck you, Nike, we're taking your shit, right? Oh, China's been taking so us for years. Yeah. Right. So all of our manufacturing is over there, but they're supposedly communist, but we're tied to them. So what if they just said, fuck it, you know, we're taking it? And that's why we did COVID. But I'm saying... Who's behind all of this shit? That's a good question. You know, all this time... Who's the wizard? That's what I'm... Yeah, that's what I've been wondering this entire time, even when I talked to previous uh, guests uh, about this. They they really don't have any tangible evidence of anyone that they point the finger to in this instance in regards to who exactly is responsible for the chemtrail spraying. Well, all of it. So, you know, there's terrestrials on the, on, the, on the pyramids. There's all kinds of hidden history. There's giant skulls. I mean, who is really running, you know, who's really running the whole ship? Like, are we just lab rats in a prison, or is it, is it terrestrials, or is it a human, the lead, or is it both? Is it like they live? I mean, who is it? Who would you say? Well, it's definitely not Prince, that's for sure. <laughs> and it's not Donald Trump, that's for sure. He's not in control of anything. Little puppet. I don't yeah. think any president is ever in control of anything, to be honest with you. I think so, once they kill Kennedy, they're all just puppets. I think they're just reading the teleprompter like Ken and Barbie doll in the news. You know, when I ask people what they think of uh, Donald Trump and the way he's handled the pandemic, you know, I'm not really asking a serious question. You know that, right? Sure. Okay, I yeah. just wanted to make sure, because some people are pretty fucking stupid that listen. So, you know, I have to... I have to be crystal clear, and uh, I have to, you know, drive it in there sometimes. I, I have to mention these things even though I don't want to because it's kind of common sense. You know, I, I am quite uh, sarcastic here in my euphonious way of speaking that some people dislike, but that's their problem, not mine. Sure. Right. No, I, no, I love your show, man. I love it's, that. It's great. You guys are great. Yeah. You got it, brother. Any more questions before we let you go? Because I do have to continue here. No, brothers. No, not at all. So sorry to call in drunk, but uh, I thought it was appropriate. So. By the way, I got a I got a, a message here, a text message saying it was George Soros who's controlling the chemtrails. <laughs> do you buy that answer? He's like 89, man. He's fucking, he's like in a elf, you know, he's like an assisted living facility. I mean, his son is the power player. If you Google his son, he's with all the elite. Do you think he's going to die of COVID-19? I hope he dies of bed sores. I hope he does. Yeah, he's a, he's a little communist bitch. Yeah. Do you think COVID will take him out? You don't think the FBI will send uh, anthrax to his home? No, COVID's too good for him. I hope he die, dies of bed sores. Bed sores? Oh, is Slow they? and painful. Amazing stuff. Well, caller, once again, thank you so much. Uh, Rome, I believe, right? Yes. Rome was a built in the day. Michael, thank you so much. Keep up the great work. Love that. Make sure to call in again. Yes. Okay, brother. Thanks. All right. Mahalo. Take care, man. Bye-bye. And there he goes. Great call there. Nice guy.
Yeah, there's so many unanswered questions. And of course, I, I thought about who was responsible for all these things as well. But it's a it's a multi-layered issue. I think the military, I think obviously the government is involved uh, to, to a certain extent, Mike, when, when it comes to that sort of thing in, in terms of the environment and spraying shit in the air. Who else has that kind of money? It's not Jesse Jackson, that's for sure. <laughs> Al Sharpton. It's not Al Sharpton. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, Mike, we, we do have some more business here to attend to, uh, attend to before we shut it down. Yes. So switching gears ever so slightly, it's time to bring back some humor. And, well, Mike, I have a question for you, and it also leads to another story. Uh, right. Now, Mike, growing up at any time of your life, when your mom and dad kissed you, did they kiss you like they, they kissed you on the cheek, right? Well, I certainly didn't get French kissed by my mom. They never kissed you on the lips, right? Well, yeah, occasionally. But, you know, as a small child, it was, you know, it wasn't even thought about. They kissed just, you on the lips, Mike. Not always. As I said, just sometimes. And it was just probably a you got to understand. I came from an Italian, very Italian family. Is that an Italian thing? That's not like a white oh, thing. Oh yes, no, 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 no. It's an Italian. I mean, Italian it's, thing. Okay. It, it, it's a, it's also a Latino thing. Uh, Latinos and, and Italians. I've are seen very, some of that. It, it, yeah. It's also a French thing too. It, I've seen some of that. Kissing, it kissing is a very common thing. It's a, a European thing. Um, and as I said, when I was a child. It made, you know, it wasn't a big deal to me. I, I, and I'd have to kiss all my aunts and uncles and cousins. It was just a common thing. So you were making out with your family. I was. I oh was, you know, God. giving them the tongue, you know. Lord, <laughs> you know, I wasn't sure, so I had, to, I had to ask, and I'm asking because I've seen this sort of parenting uh, go down. It's, it's kind of strange to me, to be honest. I'm not sure if you know who Alicia Silverstone is, but. She had a pretty good run as an actor in the mid-late 90s, and I called her an actor, yes, because I don't think you are uh, allowed to say actress anymore. I think you have to refer oh. to them as actors now. Get me started. So actor in, in the mid-late 90s, Mike, great run. She has a nine-year-old son, by the way, and his name is Bear. Of all things, Mike, Bear, that's, that's the guy's name. Right. Bear. I think I know who you're talking about. Lord. So first of all, I don't even know what the hell to say about that, uh, to be honest with you. But she has been known to, like, take showers with him. And he's he's nine years old, by the way. And she's always being photographed now, kissing her son on the lips. Uh, yes. like Like lots of times, you know, and, and showering with him. And she also did the whole kiss feeding thing with the son. She's yes. doing She's doing the bird gimmick, Mike. Yes, I've seen I've seen pictures of that. Oh my god! So is she fucking crazy? Uh, look. Uh, to be perfectly honest, just to give my opinion, I don't think she's overstepping any boundaries. It's 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 a, a mother son thing. You think that's kind of gross, I, though? Well, not necessarily. I mean, maybe the shower thing. How old was the kid when she took a shower? I with think him? he's like nine years old, and she's still showering with him. That might be a problem. It's a little I, weird. I, I remember as a boy, my dad teaching me how to take a shower, and I would go in the shower with him. But I was a boy, you were and he was right. a man, right? You know, and and a lot of children, boys, have their their fathers teach them that. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. However, 
at the age of nine, I think there should be sort of a cutoff. That's like breastfeeding your child up to the age of three or four. Yeah, man, that's a little late in the game. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, yeah, they're they're taking showers together still. Yeah, kind of weird, but at the same time, you know, I kind of look at it this – I look at it this way. Um, There's nothing like the connection between a mother or a father – and it's child and their child. Well, I agree, man, but I'm going to kiss my mom or dad in the mouth. And I get it. I get it. But when you say on the mouth, I mean like a passionate kiss on the mouth. Well, I mean, she kissed a, a peck. In, in photographs I've seen with her and her son. She's like, uh, you know, getting in there. Okay. That's kind of well, weird. You know what? Again, I, that's the Hollywood. That, that's the Hollywood uh, lifestyle, though. And they're a bunch of weirdos. That's it. That's it. And, and, you know, it's interesting you bring this whole subject up about acting. I, I really wanted to, to bring something up to you tonight. Um, whenever you're ready. Are, are you, I'm not done yet. Okay, go ahead. Oh, I'm still going here. So it, it doesn't stop there, Mike. I must add uh, Tom Brady to the mix as well, former quarterback of the New England idiot. Patriots. Idiot. He's Paul been idiot. He's been uh, kissing his son on the lips as well. He's a freak. And he's kissing Bill Belichick, uh, Bill Belichick on, on the lips as well, and Robert Kraft to that list. Um, you know what's going on with Robert Kraft and his time in Florida as well. He likes to get that, uh, that uh, rub and tug sort of action going on there. <laughs> no, can you be more specific? Amazing, but yes, um, Tom Brady, <laughs> a, a freak. You know, he's a great athlete, does a great job out there on the gridiron. But my God, every time I see him kissing his son, I'm I'm repulsed, to be honest with you. Reminds me of... That's uh, gross, man. Reminds me of, what's his name, Fresh Prince. Um, Will Smith? Kissing, yeah, kissing his son on, on national television, like like grabbing him and kissing him because there was they were talking about the very same thing on might have been the Ella Ella show Ellen show the Ellen show the Ellen the degenerate Ellen show. show exactly and i think uh he was the kid was complaining about his father kissing him in public and the kid's like 16 at the time and uh he was giving him like you know grabbing his head and giving him big kisses on the lips but again it's just you know it's a father and the love a father or a mother has for their child is there's just no comparison. I love I you so that. much. I love you so much. I'm going to put my tongue in your mouth, son. Stay there. Well, that, well that's where you draw. The line. Oh my fucking <laughs> that's god! Where you draw the line. You know, the, you don't fresh ki- French kiss your child. Oh my goodness! But a, but a big smooch on the lips is nothing wrong with it. I've, <laughs> you know, I've done it to people. I've done it to people, and you know, uh, I wouldn't do it to a child because I, I don't own kids, and I'd probably get arrested just for thinking the thought. Amazing. <laughs> That's true, but it's funny you mentioned Will Smith. He's another guy who's been put through the ringer as of late because of uh, that Jada Pinkett Smith. They've been going What's back that? and forth, uh, Mike, and they had like they've been airing out their dirty laundry for the rest of the world to see. Typical Hollywood couple, but my God, that family is beyond fucked in so many I ways. Even, I don't even know who that is, Michael. Will Smith and uh, the I wife. I know Will Smith, but who's the other one? She's an actress as well, or actor. She was an actor She's at one time, guy. and, you know, they had this very strange relationship for a very long time. And, uh, you know, she hooked up with a, a younger man when they were allegedly separated. All right. Well, they claimed they were, but yes, it's very strange that these people in Hollywood, very very open about their relationships 
<laughs> you know, Michael, um, I've always, I've always asked myself. For example, let's just take, for example, hypothetically, an actor and an actress who are married. Let's, let's just say, for argument's sake, Brad Pitt and uh, Angelina Jolini, whatever her name. They were is. like swingers at one time. Okay, but, but 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 again, I'm not going on them personally. I'm just trying to use them as an example. That's okay. In in, in a comment here, let's just say you know two major actor actors actresses are married together. Right. And then in a film, they have to conduct a love scene. Sure. Um, you got to ask yourself, how does that play off in the marriage? Uh, for example, uh, uh, James Gandolfini, who is now dead, rest his soul. Um, he was the star of The Sopranos. In The Sopranos, mind you, while he was married, uh, he had many love scenes in, in The Soprano uh, episodes. And I wonder, like, eventually he got divorced. And I, you got to ask yourself, was it because of the love scenes that he has to portray on scene? Did you ever see Boogie Nights? Did you ever see I've seen Boogie, Boogie Nights. It's a great film, right? Do, do you remember the scene where Marky Mark bangs uh uh forget her name uh that real pretty girl who played the the leading role the blonde girl uh no i no that was or the, the brunette the brunette she's famous uh she's yes. been in a lot of films but he bangs her like and the, it's just so intense you know and you gotta ask yourself like if you were married to that actress how would you feel about a love scene like what really takes place in these 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 acting yeah, you're talking about scenes. julianne moore is that her name yes. yeah i think so yeah she's great she was also in children of uh uh shit roller girl was heather graham by the way yes roller girl she yeah, was the blonde i was name. referring to that's right that's mm -hmm. right great great film. Uh, anywho um my whole point was like, you know, how, how do you handle something like that, and does it affect the marriage? And I guess, I guess to some extent, it does. Well, what kind of actor was he? Was he a method actor? or Was he just a normal actor? Who, Marky Mark? Uh, no, the other individual we were just speaking about. Oh, James Gandolfini. Yes. That's a very good question. I I can't, I couldn't tell you. I really don't know. But well, maybe he was just getting into the role. Of course. So he well, had that's a bang a great them. actor. Yeah, that's he, a great actor. he had to bang him out. You never know. But let me let me ask you this, Michael. <laughs> yes, go do ahead. Do you think it's necessary? Do you think it's necessary in today's cinema cinema that there are explicit sex scenes within films? Well, sex like, is, well, sex sells, Mike. That's never going to stop. They're they're always oh, going to yeah. be doing that for sure. But yeah, I know what you're I know what you're referring to. Lots of relationships do get started because you know your your co actor actress there. You start flirting uh, during a scene and off, and that, that carries off in, in real life. So these sort of situations happen all the time between actors, yeah. Right. But uh, I, I would, my, my question to you was, do you feel it's necessary to see an entire, like a five-minute explicit sex scene? Do you remember the, you remember the sex scene in, in, in Matrix 2? I believe it was Matrix 2. I do. Where... Where Kanayu Kanayu Reeves like bangs uh, the Trinity chick, and I mean it's intense, like the whole the orgasm, everything. And I, I sit What's there and I'm like, that, Do I really? well, here's my point. Here's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I sit there and I watch these films with these explicit sex scenes. Now I'm no prude, okay? 
and I've been around the friggin' block. But I sit there and I'm watching a movie and like there's like five, ten minutes worth of a sex scene and I'm like, do I really need to see this? What happened to the days of where a scene, a, a, a love scene was about to take place and then the camera cuts away? Do I really need to see like the motion of a guy banging another girl? I mean, what's what's the purpose of it? Well, sex sells, Mike. Indeed, they're they're selling. They're they're selling. You know, they're selling the fantasy. They're selling the story. I suppose. I think that's it's how wrong. it goes. I don't. I don't think. You think it's, it's wrong? Well, I don't want to sound like a like a, an old fogey prude, Mike. I, you kind not. of are right now. You're kind of getting, you're you're kind of reaching that level, Mike. I got to pull you back. But you know, it's like I I watch and I'm like this. I don't feel it's necessary. I, I don't know. I never. I never. All my life, I never felt it was necessary. I even got my bird worked up now. He's, oh, my he's goodness. Channeling. Now the bird is mad. <laughs> my goodness. Well, uh, moving forward here, I also want to apologize to uh, Johnny Depp. He will never hear this, of course, but many moons ago, there were headlines accusing uh, Depp of physically abusing his girlfriend, Amber Heard. As time has progressed, we have learned many disturbing details. Now, mind you, this is Amber Heard. She's a very beautiful actor, known currently for her role in the film Aquaman, which I haven't seen. One of the most disturbing details, and it was, in fact, the proverbial nail in the coffin for their marriage. My boy Johnny Depp alleges that his former wife... Uh, let me backtrack. Uh, Mike, by the way, I, I have to say my apologies to this man because I thought for a moment there that he had physically abused Amber Heard, but that's not the case. Not the case at all. So my boy Johnny Depp here alleges that his former wife, Amber Heard, and a friend defecated in their bed after an argument, Mike. <laughs> I'm not even joking. That happened. And who does that? Who, exactly. Who does that? And Mike, this is where I draw the line. I mean, boys and girls, you got to draw the line somewhere. You shit in the bed. Your ass You're is out. grass. Yes, you'll be. You out. That's right. <laughs> you'll be having to sleep at your sister's house, and this is unimaginable and just completely un inconceivable. Th you know that that's the point of no return, Mike. You're gone. If you were a man, I would have to put you in a coma. And I'm not. I'm not even joking around when I say that. Yeah. And 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 so let me ask, whose Dude. bed did they crap in? And in his bed, in Johnny Depp's bed, bed, they shit in his bed as it like a joke. Oh my lord! <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, so there you go. Good See, here, lord. here's a perfect lesson learned. Don't always jump to conclusions until you know the facts. Yeah, I'm afraid so. And uh, the next day, Johnny Depp found that someone had uh, shit all over his bed that the two shared. It was actually... This was after Johnny Depp showed up late to Amber Heard's birthday party, where the two had an argument over that matter. And uh, that's when uh, she shit in his bed. And uh, Johnny Depp is quoted as saying it was, it was one of the most absurd, unexpected statements that I have, or uh, yeah, that I have uh, ever witnessed in my life. So he said that he actually had a laugh because it was so strange. He said, "I, I would have like, 
I, ho- I hope I, I have done the same. <laughs> I, ho- I hope I remembered that correctly. By the way, you might want to look up everything I just said. Uh, I I'm going off the top of my head here, but if I remember correctly, this is exactly what happened. So there you have it, folks. Hollywood is beyond screwed up. Look no further than, like we mentioned, Will Smith and his marriage. Uh, my goodness, my goodness. Now- I, I, while we're on the subject, real quick, I got to bring up one thing that I heard lately about the whole political movement, political political correct movement, where they are getting pissed off um, about people acting, uh, for example, a gay man or a straight man actor, straight actor, portraying the part of a gay man. Uh, they want real gay men to play the part. So, people, it's called acting. That's what right. do they get? What's what's next? You, oh, if you're going to have a vampire, we want a real vampire. They want the real thing, have, Mike. That's why we want the real thing. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's total stupid. It, it's completely stupid. This has nothing to do with Hollywood. Everything to do with political correct idiots. Pretty ridiculous. I I didn't even know about that. This is the reason on the one of the last shows that we did, mm-hmm. I made an announcement that I will never watch any new, any more new Simpsons episode. Oh yeah, you mentioned have, that. You remember me saying that? That's right. Uh, because they have now said that they are no longer going to use the character Apu, who was the Indian uh, guy who plays. Actually, it's it's a regular guy who plays and uses an Indian accent to portray or do acting for for the scene. Uh, and so now they're all ticked off and they say, well, it, you know, you shouldn't have somebody playing the part of an Indian. Why not? Why not? It's so stupid. The world has gotten retarded. No, I agree. It's gone pretty um, insane, uh, to say the yeah. very least. And Mike, we are coming to a close very, very shortly here. And of course, I did have... One more other thing to mention before we shut it down, and that goes back to Melania Trump. A a statue of her in her hometown was uh, defaced. It was set on fire. Are you surprised? (laughs) Well, no. Not at all. I'm not surprised at all. Of course. They're They're tearing down monuments of Washington. George friggin' Washington. I have to say, though, I mean, I have to probably give some credit to that person who set that statue on fire. I mean, have you seen how terrible that Melania Trump statue looks? It looks like some autistic kid uh, cut it out of wood and just set it up there. It looks like looks like complete shit, Mike. Can you please send me a link? <laughs> it's one of the like dumbest looking statues I've ever seen. So in this point, I would have to say burn it down twice. Good, good riddance. <laughs> yeah, burn that shit. It, it looks awful. I was unaware of the hideousness of this uh, Melania Trump uh, statue, but again, it, it I'm looks not awful. Surprised. Like it looks fucked. <laughs> it looks fucked. Okay, I, I just there's I can't describe it any other way. People, I mean, look it, look it up yourself. Okay, look at it. I'm looking at that thing like, who who made that? Were, were they even sober when they made that? <laughs> Good God. That's oh, an abortion boy. if I ever saw one, Mike. Oh. But, you know, 
as bad as it may be, and, and I'm not saying – I haven't seen it, so I really can't. Uh, well, I agree, Mike. It shouldn't have been burned down, it obviously. It should have been done because these people are losing their goddamn minds. Yeah. They really are. This, this all goes back to what I was just saying before about the demoralization, destabilization, and crisis of bringing down a country to socialism. This is exactly what's happening. Amazing stuff, right? It's frightening, Michael. I can't even say it's amazing because I would think something amazing would be remarkable in a good way. This is just plain stupidity. And, well, and it should be dealt with properly. These people are out of control. And I let me be perfectly clear when I say I do not support BLM. I do not support Antifa. I am not part of a politically correct movement. Don't tell me what I can and can't do. Amazing. Well, with that said, Mike, I guess it's now that time to play this here for everyone. Oh, boy. Put your hand on that television. There we go. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for tonight. He received your healing. Yes, now. That's what happens when you turn your back to God, Mike. Say it, I take it. I take it. I have it. I have it. It's mine. It's mine. I thank you and praise you for it. Yes. And I forgive if I have aught against any. And I praise you that I'm well and whole. I think you should be a Christian, Mike. I was. I think you should be again. Mm, uh, I can't. Uh, uh, a born-again Christian, Mike. I think that's your path in life. Oh, now you're talking. Oh, that's, your path, li- that's your path. That's your path. You think, you think yeah. regular According Christians to the are word of God. Amazing. I'm healed. I'm healed now from the coronavirus. Consider not my own body. Yes, consider yes. not my own body. I consider not symptoms in my body. I consider not symptoms in my body. But only that which God has promised. Only, only that, that which God, which God has Only God that what the Word only has said. Only that that what the word and by His stripes I was healed. And by His stripes I am healed now. I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I'm the healed and the devil's trying to give me the flu. Else or whatever it. else kind of thing he's trying. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> healed and well. Yes. In the sweet name of Jesus. I'm healed. Heal Manuel. Manuel. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Mike. Hail Manuel. But you all drinking with uh, Kenneth Copeland, Mike? <laughs> Wait, what? What? Would you go on drinking with the guy if he asked you? No. You no, probably I can't tolerate people like that. You probably um, you would you would probably punch him out, right? I wouldn't go that far. Um, I try. I, I don't like to be a violent person. You wouldn't hit him. Uh, I, I only <laughs> hit him a little bit there. That sounds good. I'll give you um, one more. I'll give you one more punch there. Yeah. There you go. Oh oh oh! My nutsack. There you go, Mike. We are on a roll tonight, Mike. We really are. Nice. We really are. This is like this is like uh, this is like the Tonight Show. It kind of is, and I want to thank all the mods out there for hanging out with us tonight, and of course the listeners out there 
Thank you very kindly for being here. And of course, the newer listeners out there, thanks for finding this program. And of course, find this on iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, which I like, and Spotify. Just look for the Michael Deacon program and that you'll find the show. And of course, subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And Mike, go ahead and plug anything you'd like. The floor is yours. Go ahead. Right on. I want to say thank you to our guest, Dr. John, for attending tonight and being part of the show. Uh, I want to say thank you to Mr. Michael Deacon. And I want to say thank you to all the listeners tonight. Thank you very much. Uh, We would be nowhere without you. That's right. And if uh, you're interested in any of my musical efforts, you know where to go. MikeHideous.com. That's M-Y-K. Hideous.com. If you'd like to see any of my art and or photography, I have prints for sale. You can go to HorribleArtwork.com. HorribleArtwork.com. And last but not least, if you're interested in connecting with me on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hideous Mike. M-Y-K-E. Thank you very much for listening tonight, folks. I had a wonderful time. And if you don't support Mike out there, you ain't black. You ain't black. (laughs) You ain't black if you ain't buying Mike's uh, artwork. Word up. That's right. So, Mike, once again, thank you so much for hanging out, and we'll do this again soon. Very good. Thanks, buddy. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. Good night. Mahalo. And there he goes, boys and girls, the one and only Mr. Mike Hideous. Once again, he drew assignment for us this evening, and he did a great job. And, of course... The doctor was in the house. That was fantastic. And, of course, I want to thank those who donated, Renee and Christina. And uh, who else was out there? Was that Dave? Who was it? I'm not even sure who it was. But I do want to thank all of you out there for supporting the show. It's been fun. And before I pull this uh, Larry Silverstein style, I do want to remind all of you out there, if you want bonus content, please direct yourself to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. And that is where you'll find even more gold one-on-one interviews with me taking on uh, the rest of the world. And I will go through the world if I have to. And I hope you will, too, to get what you want in this world. And uh, yes, patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. Please subscribe to the YouTube page. And yes, Robin, thank you so much. Victoria Nish, Robin again, and uh, V and... Lilith and the bacon. Yes, everyone out there in the chat room. Very nice. Good to see you. And of course, the international listeners out there. Thank you so much for your support as well. Canada, Germany, the UK, Australia, Norway, and Brazil. I hope I remember that. Whatever the case may be, I do want to thank all of you. Yes, enlightened and preparing. I believe it was you as well. Thank you very kindly. Now, whatever it is that you do choose to believe, you must adapt now to all the changes around you. That's what life is all about. Change and adapting. And that's what we must do yet again. And boys and girls, always great to see you out there. And we'll do this again on the other side. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place. And life itself is a mystery. Until next time, 